Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Jeremy. Yes? This movie fucking rules. <laughs> uh, next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified sexy demon aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Um, lo- a little less squishy than Alien, um, but at least my fingers aren't coming off on the wall, so that's good. That is good. Uh, and finally, someone we've talked to about their own work, but this is our first time having them to discuss a film he didn't make, the director of one of our favorite movies, Bit. It's Brad Michael Elmore. Good to have you back, Brad. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about this movie. I love this movie. I am hard in the paint for this movie. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a movie that, that you chose. Uh, it's the first feature-length Tales from the Crypt film, Demon Knight. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about uh, why you picked this one, how, why you love this one. Uh, you know, I just feel like with the, with the sort of um, the Bend of Europe uh, podcast and things like that, I just felt like it was a worthy, uh, worthy film to talk about with that lens on it, uh, yeah. to see what it does well and what it doesn't do well. And I just really personally loved this movie as a kid um, and watched it a lot. You know, it's one of those VHS where you wear out the tape. I, I watched the living shit out of it. So, uh, and it, it sort of doesn't get its due with that lens. You know, it kind of, there are a lot of people who sort of like, oh yeah, this is a real fun movie. You know, it does have a fan base or whatnot, but I, I do feel like it kind of gets lost in the conversation of like, of, of, of where it kind of lands in so much as uh, uh, representation and stuff like that. I feel that about a lot of 90s movies. I think the 90s was a little bit more ahead in who was directing and who was in, who, who were the biggest stars and who were, was, and what the makeup of film, don't get me wrong, not perfect by far and still not great, but better than I would say uh, even today, to be honest. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I think, uh, the, the Tales from the Crypt thing sort of to, to some extent puts a lie to like what's in this movie because like the other two Tales from the Crypt films, uh, Ritual, uh, which is a movie about uh, <laughs> about white people in Jamaica getting voodoo done on them and uh, nope. Bordello of Blood, which stars Dennis Miller in the lead role, <laughs> are like not on the same level as this movie. And I think this movie yeah. just kind of gets grouped with them. So in terms of this movie being a Tales of the Crypt movie, are y'all ready to hear some like crazy ass trivia? Yes. What was originally supposed to be the Tales of the Crypt movie in this slot was From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah. So I was, that was going to be one of my recommendations. And that makes a lot of sense. And also Bordello of Blood. Isn't that like same concept? Because I used to get those movies mixed up a lot. I guess it is sort yeah. of vampire prost, you know, is yeah. sort of. That- that whole Tales from the Crypt, Dust Till Dawn thing is, is a rumor, and I can't find anything that confirms that. And I never have. Oh, okay. Because I, I, like that, that from Dust Till Dawn script was, was just a, a genre programmer that 
Tarantino had floating around and, and that could have come across a desk one day and been like, oh, okay. this is an interesting thing to slot in here because it would be weird for that to be the slot because the Demon Knight script was also written in the 80s and been floating yeah, around for a it, while, you know? This yeah. was all coming from the writers, the original writers before they got kicked off of Demon Knight because I watched a whole um, behind-the-scenes documentary they made with mm-hmm. the writers and as many of the actors as they could get to do interviews. Um, I think we saw that, that in the same place. Because, uh, yeah, they, they had Billy Zane on there. They had the writers. They had, you know, Ernest Dickerson, the director, some of the producers and stuff on there. Uh, no Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, no no Jada Pinkett. There. Um, could not get Thomas Hayden in church. Nah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both, I'm sure, busy. Um, we do have Dick Miller, though, and that, that was yeah. awesome to see. Yeah, I also, uh, I must say, uh, too, that another reason why I wanted to do it is because we talked about Bit, and I stole a huge gag from this, like just straight up wholesale lifted from this directly. Uh, it, it, I mean, it is shameless. Uh, and I actually got the opportunity to tell Ernest Dickerson that, and, uh, and it, which was one of the best nights of my life. I, me and Ernest Dickerson got shit faced together. It was great. Um, oh my God. But the, but that, yeah. And I, I was like, listen, I just got done shooting a movie. He was, he was there at a screening of my movie before. And I was like, I just got done shooting a movie. And I just got to tell you, this is weird serendipity. I stole your ending. I stole it. I took it. it it's barely inspiration. I just took it. But uh, it's the, she holds the blood in her mouth and spits it in his face. It. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. And that I, hadn't occurred to me, but yeah, that is. Yeah, that I just took that whole like some guy leading her forward and dolling her around, and then uh, when turns you said, out she has a. When you said the ending, I'm thinking back through bit. I'm like, I don't remember her getting on a bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's that that they 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 show their hand in their movie. They show Jada take it and put it in her mouth, and I just left it like a surprise you know yeah. but i always yeah. i always loved that i always loved the that sort of gag i thought it was really clever and i'm like and i just stole it i just took it it's I mine su- now Ernest. it's mine <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised on the rewatch because again they telegraph it really hard like you explicitly get the shot of her drinking the blood how much time takes place between that and her spitting it out where like mm-hmm. she has it it almost turns into the hitchcock ticking talk like ticking bomb where you know she has it just the longer it goes on until it's finally gonna play like the deciding mm-hmm. role yeah which is kind of smart because because they show it they almost make you forget about it you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, yeah so i'm um, speaking of ernest dickerson uh you know like we said he's the director of this movie he is like he's done some amazing stuff obviously bones as well as this uh juice dmx is never die alone he's directed episodes of like every great tv show like he's done episodes of the wire dexter l word jermay like he's got a list that goes on and on and on never as you scroll through it it's like oh shit he's on that too if you're a fan of bosch from amazon studios he's directed a lot of bosch oh yeah 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 i i mean i think like for me juice is an incredible movie i love that movie uh i've seen it a billion times uh and i'm a i'm a huge fan of his work as a photographer i mean he did spike lee's the first uh five films of his um and and like he's a he's a with he's a really good director with a great career uh he isn't uh as a cinematographer he's beyond reproach 
you know, like he's, he's a legend. Um, I, I, I love his stuff. And I love, I love tales from the hood. I've never seen bones. I saw bones a while back. Um, I remember enjoying it, but it was way, it was like right when it was on cable after it was released. So like after, after the, the movie release and after the, the, I think it was DVD at that point. Um, and then I saw it on, on like an HBO or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's um, been a long time since I've seen it. I think, you know, Snoop Dogg is maybe not the most nuanced actor, but like he's, he's fun. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed, they talked about it in, or Ernest Dickerson talked about it in uh, horror noir and how um, how like uh, freaked out and shy Snoop Dogg was to have to like kiss Pam Greer on screen. He was uh, totally freaked out by it. <laughs> like his childhood Snoop- crush. Snoop Dogg, kind of my favorite character on the L word. <laughs> um, I loved learning that they filmed pretty much the whole movie in an airplane hangar specifically so they could film night scenes during the day and not just put the cast and crew through 40 days of consecutive night shoots. Yeah. I thought that was going above and beyond for good of the people. I thought that was just, I hate that decision fundamentally Uh, shoot the movie at night, get better lighting, but I think it works to this film's favor because it has this lot looking feel to it. Mm -hmm. It makes the whole movie for me uh, has a, a sort of, Saturday morning cartoon feel to it, which I which I think is good. Yeah, um, I think this is like a very. I have a I have weird thoughts on what constitutes what kids like to see, you know. Um, and I think this movie is perfect for like ten to fourteen, you know. And I'm not because I think it has the the pacing, the feel, and the sort of like rules of like a Saturday morning cartoon. Shoot them in the eyes, you know. The the it has it has, it's very lit. It has a very like live action kids movie feel in, in yeah. its lighting because all the night scenes yeah. are bright uh, yeah. and it's fun and paced fast, but, but it's also hyper violent. It's got a lot of gross stuff happening, but it's, and, and sexy stuff happening, but it's yeah, when like I was 14. I would have been psyched to see this many boobs. Uh, I can tell you. Yeah, that. but it's, <laughs> it's sexy stuff that isn't mature. It's yeah. like what yeah. a 14 year old yeah. wants to see out of violence and sex and things like that. Or, or even because I was, I think, nine or ten when I saw it, and it's it, it, it it's just it's like the perfect R-rated Saturday morning cartoon, and I mean that was something I was striving for in bit was to like I was really aiming for young audiences, and I don't think young audiences like nice movies as much as it's expected of them to like that. I think they like things to get gross and weird and 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 sexy to, with within certain limits, and obviously this movie I think is crosses. <laughs> barriers that aren't great or don't age well but um yeah, yeah I, I mean the to, to talk a little shit here i don't know fuck it i'll nuke my career like that i didn't like the new craft movie because i felt like it was too nice it was just so nice we like, yeah we had we didn't hate it but i don't think we loved the new craft movie is that it fair was, i think I would, the craft well, movie we were like it has some pieces that could be a good movie and it just never happens. Like it was well-intentioned, but it just never landed. And I was really sort of interested in it. There's a, there's sort of a interesting history between that movie existing uh, and my career. Uh, But the, the, I was always rooting for it. 
uh, you know, you always want everyone to win. Uh, I just felt like the original craft has elements that do not age well. I mean, the, the original craft is not some sort of masterpiece. It, it, it's more of like a, a cool artifact than it is maybe a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I feel like sanding off its edges is like, I think what people like about, uh, especially young people, what they like about movies is when they get a little complicated and go into things that like I, I just felt like you, you know young young viewers and typically if you're aiming a movie at young women like I don't I don't really I don't really think it's good to make it to make it so friendly it uh, definitely and, felt sanded off of like all the originals I just it felt like the old navy version of the craft even <laughs> if they sanded it so hard that it ended up with its own really weird messed up edges yeah they totally. definitely didn't mean to be there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, much think, mind control. Yeah, I think, I think there this... were some things like the more inclusive cast that they had a you know trans character yeah. played by a trans actor in that movie that like were like okay that's a good idea but like if only somebody had written a script for this movie right <laughs> yeah uh, I think that's the, there's elements in there to to root for and I'm sure like any movie it's going to be there's going to be a lot of people who, who enjoy it. I'm not trying to slap it out of their hands. I just feel like that it was, uh, I don't know, just it, the whole thing felt like too sweet and condescending. It's like, get nasty. Like, this is fucking rock the house. I don't know. Put some demon knight into it, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, like rile people up a little bit, you know? This yeah. movie has so much gore and violence, but it's not disturbing, scary gore. It's that gore that feels like it goes all the way back around to being more cartoony than an actual cartoon. Yeah, uh, totally. And it's it has work part- for people who love it. Yeah, yeah those I, I practical like effects the, look great. It's not a an accident that like comic books are heavily referenced in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's oh, a whole okay. like, comic books the, literally corrupt the child yeah, and turn them. The evil. Tales of the Crypt <laughs> comic in the Tales of the Crypt a movie that is both stealing your soul and then depicting the events. That is some real Grant Morrison shit right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was masterful. I thought yeah, it's 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 a real fun nod. Uh, the the whole the whole movie's like you're in on it's in on its tone and it's letting you in on it but also it's not afraid to get mean and they kill that freaking kid and i love this movie for it <laughs> i love that oh yeah they, Yo, they murder that child they murder the fuck out of that kid I, can, can we curse on the show or no yeah, oh yeah totally. curse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Last, last episode we talked about beef curtains so it's okay oh, that's right okay. <laughs> i needed this movie like we've been doing hard candy and black swan We've been doing some good movies. We have not been doing fun movies. Mm-hmm. I needed a demon night. I needed yeah. a movie that every five minutes was making me go, holy fucking shit, did you see that? Yeah. You need a movie. They, a lot of these movies, these 90s movies, um, I was just talking about, Brad, the, 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 one of the joys of them is just how self-indulgent they are. You know, I think that that is something that really uh, is delightful, even when it gets crass. You know, and like the thing is that there's a point where it gets too much, you know, like Jeremy, you're talking about like how Tales of the Crypt um, talks about or or I should say um, gets a little horror bro-y where, it, you know, people are making demands of this film. You know, you have these horror bros out there that are like, I want to see tits and I want to see 
you know, this kind of gore and I want to see gore tits and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, this movie does indulge, but it also, it's, it, I think it's delightful when you have a self-indulgent movie like this and it also does something extra with it. Well, this really? movie self-indulges in the right ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. again, a less self-indulgent movie might at some point have CCH Pounder stop speaking entirely in one-liners. <laughs> this movie no one-liners to the end yeah, yeah. I, I think it was really interesting to hear the writers uh, ethan reef and cyrus forrest talk about it because like these guys i think their career is like a testament to the weirdness of screenwriting in hollywood because it's like they've done this bulletproof monk kung fu panda the russell crowe robin hood they created the shows brimstone and sleeper cell and they did this with mark bishop who has like almost no other screenwriting credits and they were talking about like this being basically just a, a like uh, like Brad was saying a thing that they kind of created and put out there and it got shopped around a bunch of places and then became a Tales from the Crypt movie and how like in their mind it was much more of like a a hero story with horror elements and Tales from the Crypt was like no we want it to be a creature movie because that's what Tales from the Crypt does is creature movies with boobs like that's our thing yeah. Um, and so there's there's sort of this like kind of fundamental push and pull on that that I think like Ernest Dickerson to his credit kind of like does goes with what works. And they were talking about like Billy Zane was talking about in that uh, documentary about it that just like like he came up with the idea of having the sponge pop out of his mouth like that's not Love in it. the script. It's an amazing like, moment that like Ernest Dickerson was like, yeah, fuck it, try it. <laughs> like, I honestly think. I uh, Dickerson really threaded the needle really well between boobs and monsters and this more hero's tale. Like we get a ridiculously fun, super cool demon haunted house, like devil movie that also has way more of a hero's journey. That's also a really satisfying hero's journey than we typically get in our horror movies. Uh, you know, both Breaker and Geraldine are amazing i love them they're so cool the both of them yeah, yeah i think another element that when i say saturday morning cartoon i, I typically mean like action saturday morning cartoon because it is a siege film mm -hmm. yeah. it, it is it is very much assault on precede 13 mm -hmm. um and it, it's it's uh it has action leads and it just has it has the pace of an action movie like that you know you gotta take out this many guys and you gotta uh, uh, do this to fight the boss at the end, and it just, and it just puts that in yeah. a blender with with these with this with, with horror visuals and stuff and gore. It's just, it's just so much fun, and and I do think that the two heroes in the movie, um, like uh, uh, the every character in this is extremely broad strokes. Like there's not a lot of nuance on the table, uh, it, except for um, except for. Uh, Jada, like uh, they, uh, she has a much more understated character. You know, I mean, she comes in hot, but like, she's certainly written with the more uh, more of an eye toward like uh, naturalism than like roaches, where it's like oh, li literally every word out Roach's mouth is like, "I am a bad person," you know, yes. like, "I am human shit." Um, or I like the Thomas Keystone Hayden Cop Church guys. in this movie, but holy shit, is Roach the worst? He's really pushing it. Every, yeah, though I'm fucking committed. I'm fucking obsessed with that Hawaiian shirt mesh undershirt combo. Okay, oh, yeah, he looks awesome. He's that oh. dirtbag Maxima. He with looks the great. with the blonde locks. 
oh, yeah. just fucking killing it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he looks he looks really cool. But no, like if you're a fan of like Wally West and Miles Morales, Terry McGinnis, like this is a legacy hero story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have loved to see this be like the first in like a franchise of, you know, stuff with Geraldine as like the hero where you can do, you know, other horror action stuff with it. Like that's that's much more interesting to me than I mean what they ended up doing with the other Tales from the Crypt movies. Yeah, I mean, I would have watched the Demon Knight on a train, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, the, I mean, you could just really put this anywhere because um, it does have that diehard element to it, you know, uh, siege film. I would have thing. loved it because with the whole concept of these people live like a really long time. If you want to move past Jada Pinkett Smith, like you're already in Jason X territory by Demon Knight 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and i think i think she equips herself well in the film i've always been a big fan of hers and she's really she's like she she draws the audience in more and more as she becomes the sort of uh the as the, the baton is passed to her to be the sort of lead of the film um i think that's done really well actually uh like and i think william sadler's performance is he suits himself well as as like the as a leading man. Right, this is one of his few like leading man roles, you know. And he's he's I think he's in his mid forties in this, and it's just he he crushes it. He holds the screen. There's great. A, a seriousness and an earnestness mm-hmm. that he needed to provide, especially to just balance out how gosh darn wacky Billy Zane was making everything. Oh yeah, like yeah. the it. Be, it really fell to him to really sell the mythology and the stakes. And he, I think, just does a great job. Uh, William Sadler, for, y'all, for all y'all listeners, uh, you probably are most familiar with him as Death in uh, Bill and Ted 2 and 3. Um, and he's in a whole bunch of other stuff and awesome in this movie. The whole cast is just fantastic. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was really interesting to like, because... You know, uh, I think this is this is still pretty early in Jada Pinkett's career, and mm-hmm. like it feels like everybody's really behind her in this, and you know, it, it really like works to to bring over that character because you know the William Sadler's character is is very like sort of traditional gritty hero, and you know he actively passes on this uh, curse really to her. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to hear, you know, people talk about her at this this point in her career. Because like Billy Zane was like, was talking about like she has this stunning countenance and a firm handshake. And I was like, all right, <laughs> she's just like reported herself well. She's just you know here to to be a hero. She apparently would like go train with her trainer on breaks from shooting. And it's like, wow, she's like super super crazy dedicated. I mean, I, she she's always read that way to me, and everything she's ever done. You, you could tell that. I mean, the whole cast is like steady hand character actors, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. really, really well. And she is like, an, she's like an emerging like movie star. Um, yeah. And, and it's obvious why, I mean, like her entire body of work is, you can just tell this is a person who takes their job really seriously, you know, and, does, and like always super, seems super committed, even like, going all the way up into like collateral and stuff. It just, 
she has this ability to sort of ground anything, like anything, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because it does seem that this movie uh, was, would be the starting point of her taking on more like lead roles and, and things like that. And it just, it feels like her career fell into more of a ensemble um, approach, you know? which probably says more about Hollywood than it does about her. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's interesting, like, she she really kills this part, and I feel like, at least at this time, there's just not, there's not those roles for her, you know, roles that um, are still hard to come by for, you know, for Black women generally, but even, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be available to a lot of, you know, even white women other than, like, an Angelina Jolie or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, are still, I see still rare. She should- no. I see she should I think she should have gotten a lot of those action movies that then like 10, 15 late years later you see like uh Zoe Saldana, like those type of like a lot of the type of roles she gets, like if those roles had existed for uh Jada Pinkett like in the mid nineties, I think that would have been great and just more showcase of her as a lead. Yeah, again, she's great here. I love that she just showed up to set with her hair super short and dyed yellow and refused to change it and <laughs> It's a great decision. It's such a striking, mm-hmm. iconic visual for the character. Yeah. And there's also something to be said about what she wanted for her career as well. Like, who knows what she turned down? Um, Absolutely. It's because I, I, I did hear that that wasn't she considered for the first Matrix movie. And I think she was like, I can't remember if it was a studio thing or or if it was her going you know, well, she's in like the second, she's in the third Matrix Well, after that then... first one bangs out the yeah. clubs, I mean, she's like, yeah, I'll, any, you know, one, they're going to let them cast whoever they want at that point. And two, anybody who didn't jump on board that ship on the first time is going to be like, yeah, okay, I get it now. I'm in. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, she's the star of the Matrix video game that ties into like the Matrix movies. Because like, Matrix video game the like the Wachowskis sort of directed while the rest of this was going on just like follows her and the other guy that was with her like through a whole separate story um mm-hmm. that then like ties back into the third movie but like it's it's such a weird choice because like there's full-on filmed cutscenes in that game I remember playing it like the game itself is pretty mediocre but like it like has full-on bits of movie in it that like everybody that I guess the Wachowskis were like yeah people are totally going to play this whole game and like you know know that this is part of the story y'all know she started a metal band right mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard and would play I guess played second stage at Ozfest. Yeah, like, what a what a thing to just do just like uh, pretty pretty cool I, I- I know there's plenty in life to be envious of Will Smith for, but I feel like watching this movie is the most I've ever been envious of Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard her like some of the metal performances are on like YouTube and stuff. She she can really wail, man. It's just an interesting thing to do uh, for anyone to be like, uh, you know, I think she'd probably be at least later 30s, early 40s when she does it, and just like I guess I, I'm gonna do this metal. Thing. I'm gonna go whole hog on it. I'm diving in. Like she did not. It was not a half measure. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like uh, that's. I think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, so she's always been cool. She's cool in this movie. Um, and the the movie to me it reminds me of Aladdin because 
there is one character in particular who the it's a performance like Robin Williams in Aladdin where it's just it just seems so off the chain that <laughs> I mean I, Billy Zane is so good in this movie and he knows exactly what kind of movie it is yeah and he, is. It, he stops just short of winking at you yeah while he's doing his thing he is an absolute dynamo in this movie he's hilarious yeah, his smile. he's already said that like his his idea of this character was like robin williams genie but from hell did he like, say that yeah he did. yeah that was his inspiration that's crazy yeah. that's good okay yeah that's because yeah. that's what i was thinking of like uh, upon rewatching it and i've seen it a billion times because the other thing i was going to say is it's a beetlejuice comes to mind oh yeah where you got mm-hmm. keaton and beetlejuice where it's just where it's just like ah, i don't know if this is gonna work but yeah you, you you can't you can't hold you gotta when this either this either peels the paint off the ceilings or i'm gonna look ridiculous but you you can't go half speed here when yeah. he's got the head and the body stuck on his fist and he can't get it <laughs> off i mean when is that when he's falling down like the physical comedy that billy zane mm-hmm. is doing in this movie is absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, I also really like his scene with Cordelia, um, simply because like it, it's like the, it's one of the harder things to swallow about the film is just like these characters. It's so cartoony because it's like these characters like these are the most disgusting, ugly demons you've ever seen. Clearly, yeah. he's uh, the bad guy, and like the like the moment a demon pops up out of the ground, like the the actual reaction would be to shit your pants and go. Well, I, and the devil's like, I'm here. I'm the devil. I am uh, devil exists. You'd, you'd probably uh, realize that, you know, I, there's I, no, there's nothing they could sell you to make you go. I guess I could deal with them. Yeah. You, you just, it would just be too terrifying, but I lost he does my such a good mind. job at the psychic thumb wipe when he wipes away her tears. Psychic yeah. Wipe. Well, I just I loved his switch over because he plays that and you're, and it's like he uses the full power of his like he's a sexy virile man. Yeah. Uh, and he and he 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 like he switches, he turns down the the hick Yahoo stuff he's doing and and it's like and just like leans into like full Billy Zane, what you'd think is more traditionally Billy Zane's abilities and weaponizes them in that moment to me. To at least give you, whenever he's seducing one of these people, he at least he it allows you a little. He sells it better than the movie than the script does because it's you know um, the scene where he's Hunter S. Thompson. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I need Beautiful. to know if that was in the script or feature show. Was like, guys, I have an idea. It's a little out there, but it's going to be amazing. And it is pretty great uh, watching Dick. Uh, uh, Dick Miller in a sea of boobs is so funny. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, it's yeah, I, I I know that scene's crass, but I I crack up every Dude. time. Oh, it's just him doddering around, and it's just in a in a in a hard R beer commercial is the funniest. It gets me every time. It's he so had, funny. In the documentary, the making of, he has this wink and a nod moment where he claims to have. Uh, kept me- getting flustered and messing up his line so they just had to do 16 or 17 takes of that scene <laughs> God. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's here. well it's funny talking about that scene because that scene despite like 
the intentional crassness of that scene doesn't bother me nearly as much as the opening scene, which is like they just do the full on Tales from the Crypt intro and then they're mm-hmm. like, here's the Crypt Keeper filming a movie and here's boobs of an unnamed character uh, followed by a weird John Larroquette spot. And then they're like, actually, yeah! this isn't the movie. Let's go to the movie. <laughs> well, I think the scariest part about that whole opening sequence and the most uncomfortable part is that weird ass Crypt Keeper CGI they use for one shot. And mm-hmm. then I can only assume they looked at it and went, nope, this ain't working, and immediately switched back to the amazing-looking puppet. Yeah. Oh, boy. Which is a great puppet. Like, that Crypt Keeper puppet is fantastic. Yeah, I don't I, know why the CGI one at the beginning is so horrifying. Like, yeah, they just see a bad head way. onto a human body. Like, it's rough. It's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, the, the, the bookends, I'm conflicted on them because... I just love the Crypt Keeper so much. It's such a funny thing, but they I feel like that opening does do the movie a bit of a disservice. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not like the movie's a serious affair. It, yeah. It's just, I feel like the, the opening is so, so arch and, and like corny. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it it's like, it's, it's like, it just, it's not, cause it's not, it's not actually funny. It's, uh, it's it's just crass it's just... and objectifying in a way that mm-hmm. again Dick Miller in a sea of boobs isn't even like yeah that isn't... is funny the yeah, joke yeah. is funny I, it just is it's a, it's you know mo- movies can be crass I actually don't mind when they are but it, it I gotta I gotta get something out of it and I just feel like the opening I think you're right Jeremy it's it's tacky it's tacky in the wrong yeah. way. And I don't think it speaks to the spirit of Demon no. Knight, which does do a little have, you know, the um, virgin horror complex. You have, you know, sex worker Cordelia versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, Geraldine, who noticeably resists all seduction attempts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, it's Geraldine, uh, you know, Cordelia is still very, is still you know, I, I found to be like a sympathetic humanized character. Like, yeah, that, even if that's one like, of the things I like it... about Geraldine as well is that like Geraldine is an ex-con. Like she's, you know, she was in prison mm-hmm. for you know uh, stealing, um, which is a recurring thing that's um, very. I don't know. I feel like it was really important to the writers, and I don't know how much it actually comes through in the movie. That like, you know, everybody that's been the demon knight, it seems like, was a thief at some point. Um, yeah. And like, it's also it's very nice to have like the mm-hmm. yeah, diamond the, in the rough. The heroine be somebody who is not perfect and pure necessarily, and have you know the the you know the horror character of the horror movie be somewhat sympathetic and you know have a little a little uh, roundness to her. Yeah, she was almost more she was more innocent than Geraldine in terms of her character, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, there is this, there is the, I think the the thing that I think ages the poorest for me is the, and at least they kill the dude, um, is the friend zone, friend zone guy. The friend zone uh, slash post office, like, uh, assault weapon guy. Like, he's got all the problems with all the 90s issues. Hot button issue of violent postal workers. Right, and now it can happen anywhere in any <laughs> occupation or not occupation. I just, I just think Thanks. that like she's she's 
sort of like it is sort of implied that she is uh, uh, she plays to his sympathies and stuff like that a bit, you know. Yeah. She rem- gets she gets the shortest shortest shrift in this thing, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, you know, what can you do? It's nineteen ninety four. I do remember Wally the Mailman when he saves her from the demons at the beginning. The first time watching this, I thought like, okay, Mailman is a surprisingly like sharpshooter. Like he's got a good shot to him and was then very surprised when the movie completely explains and justifies it later on. Yeah. 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 The, uh... Did you rewatch it and no, that's some foreshadowing. Yeah, and that's the voice of Roger Rabbit, which is always weird. It is. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Whenever he, he pops up like in a, a movie, I always dude. Yeah, right. Like, but yeah, even in Zodiac, friend... when he pops up, I'm like, get him out of there. He's the voice of Roger Rabbit. It just always throws me personally. <laughs> just his, he's just got such a thing, you know. Like, I that... really, you're, yeah, you're totally right. I didn't like the nice guy element. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah uh... it's 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 something that ages weirdly the whole the, their whole approach to to her being a sex worker i think ages poorly oh yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure like I, I there's would, some good intentions but it doesn't always work in execution yeah because i would say that i don't i don't think a bunch of tits in a movie is necessarily a bad thing yeah uh but i i because like i said i think i think that i think the dick smith joke is funny or dick miller joke is funny um <laughs> like i don't think we get her tits in them i don't think we get her breasts briefly when she's briefly when she is okay. uh, electrocuting thomas hayden church's nipples uh from a car I, battery i have to say i was mostly well. when it comes to which mm. character's chest i was more focused on in that scene right which is yeah that's interesting is that we were seeing more of uh of roach's chest now do I, you want to talk about trigger warnings um before we go into the the recap of the film because i know we we're talking we've talked about a lot of things that happened but, Thomas Hayden Church getting his nipples electrocuted. That's one hell of it. That's definitely on the warning list. Yeah, I guess. I, I feel like we're we're going a little bit more around the horn, but there is there's a lot of like obviously there's a lot of gore, gruesome murder. There's some gaslighting and manipulation by an actual demon in this movie. Um, you know, there is as we mentioned, child death, uh, but he does turn into a demon first. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he turned into a John Carpenter body horror monster. Some, it was fair some, game. Sexual assault and exploitation. Him. There's, uh, you know, there is violence against sex workers. There's general misogyny. There's, somebody's yeah. just added the Crypt Keeper, I see, yep. to this list as yep. of triggers. Yes. <laughs> Some people Which are honestly, afraid of E.T. Fair. Some people Yo, are afraid look, of I think, I think the Crypt Keeper I, is actually more charming than E.T. I remember being <laughs> I agree. young, like <laughs> seven, eight years old, going to Blockbuster, or the local video store before Blockbuster moved in and put them out of business. Um, <laughs> and they would have the VHS, like they would have the Crypt Keeper right on the cover. And to be fair, it scared the crap out of me. I was like, I will stick with, are you afraid of the dark? Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, 10 year old Brad over here is like, all right. But this movie, would we call it this movie, Demon Knight? Would we call it spoopy, spooky, yes. terrifying? existentially to, to me this was pure spoopy in that pure that like yeah. if you have a problem with gore even like the over-the-top gore you might have a problem but like if you're any kind of horror movie fan this is pure spoopy like there is no 
violence that didn't just put a giant smile on my face. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. maybe like one or two jumps in the whole movie. Um, it, it's mostly just like it's just fun to watch Billy Zane be evil. Like he's just so <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Oh my god, the so best. Um, and the cat does not die. No, At least that we the cat survives. The, upon rewatch, the part that made me laugh really hard uh, was when I, I guess we'll save that for recap. Uh, if that's the the route, let's we start go. the recap now. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we've been we've done all everything. I think we've hit so, a lot of the, the stuff on there. I mean, because we get the Tales from the Crypt intro, uh, like with full on Tales from the Crypt, like TV show introduction, like stuff in the music and everything. And we that get song. the intro with the. Oh, yeah, the Danny yeah. Elfman. Oh, it's like, so good. Yeah, the yeah. most Danny Elfman track. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it, both up there. That but opening is tacky, as we've discussed, but I just wanted to point out that it's almost worth it just. I, I want that movie to start with that song. That song is great. Well, it. yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the, like, the Tales from the Crypt TV intro. I'm just like, you know, there's like, there's three different openings to this movie, <laughs> which is like, are, I, we're kind of gilding the lily here, guys. Like, yeah. having, going downstairs into the, I, I swear this, this, I've seen this house. I've been to this house in Portland, but the, going downstairs into the Crypt Keeper's mansion and everything and, and, you know, they made it you're gonna look at it which is delightful i love it um, i wish they would have just had him pop out of the case here's demon knight yeah go yeah, with either, it you know either like he either they do the music intro he pops out of the case introduces demon knight or they do like the cold open of him like of the car chase and then they like cut to crypt keeper giving his intro and then they go back to the rest of the movie because like yeah yeah you're right there is three openings to this movie yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the the car chase is like it feels like it was filmed afterwards. Like they were like, we need something punchy to start this shit up. We're going to have a weird car chase with some car explosions. The warm bath though of that filter song starting up and just oh, being right. taken right back. I was just like, <laughs> hell yes. My, uh, hell yes. They, they like Rumbling cut it all weird line. is the thing that I noticed that like it starts with yeah. the main man nice shot part and then after the yeah. crash goes back to the beginning of the song. Like, like, I'll, t- I'll take it any way I can get it. What, I, what I, a needle I, drop to open us in. Just that yeah. 90s two, classic filter. Yeah, there's two great songs in this in, in the movie, in my opinion. The the Gravediggers song. Yeah. Um, and and that one that I'm just like, oh yes. I hell yes. I Much like I, starting uh, a movie with Robocop, it's never bad to start <laughs> your movie with Hey Man, what nice shot. <laughs> just, fucking Billy Zane just smashes his car into Breaker's car. We get just a glorious 90s movie explosion. Yeah. And this is, you know, if, if you're if you're a listener and you haven't seen the film or, you know, you have and you're w- wondering what we're talking about, we, you know, we've talked about John Larroquette and the tits. They were not on John Larroquette, which is kind of unfortunate, but he doesn't have even have a speaking role like the, so there was like another movie that starts with this this woman and she's like writhing around and talking about getting all hot and squishy or something and then after killing a guy and then the guy that she um is, is the guy's in an acid bath in the basement and then he's coming out of the acid bath and then it's actually a movie set and it's all meta but then the guy in the suit of like the rotting flesh is john laroquette 
who just turns toward the screen with this like pleading look on his face as if to say why am i here and then that is a question that is never answered but you know yeah and then they introduce us to demon knight the crypt keeper does his you know read into demon knight uh which starts with a car chase and car explosion and yeah, then like hey man, I again that good classic 90s explosion where it's like two cars touch each other so obviously they both must spontaneously combust yes. yeah and they've got like two tons of gasoline between the two of them to cause that much fire listen um, yeah, there's so, so much so fire and and none of it is currently billy zane's penis yet there, yeah yeah we meet brick who's boys. william sadler's character who's the sort of hard luck hero of this and then the collector billy zane we don't know anything about either of them at this point um you know breaker crawls out of the wreckage of this car wreck and uh runs off tries to steal a car from a diner and uh you know a little kid catches him um and he's he's kenshiro on his hand he's got the all all seven stars Yeah. Yeah. So Um, we learned that. We also learned that Billy Zane rocks the hell out of a cowboy hat. He rocks the hell out of clothes. Yeah, he's a clothes horse. He does. Every outfit they have him in in this movie is just fantastic. He probably rocks the hell out of no clothes too. I haven't. I haven't had the (laughs) pleasure. Uh, But apparently, this was the first John Wayne thing at the beginning of this too. Really like playing quiet cowboy good guy following the yeah. bad guy who has stolen something apparently which, this was which i think is smart because uh, it you you land at the beginning of this movie without any context and because everything's in such broad strokes they code with the leather jacket and the in the almost like a 50s movie the leather jacket and the, and the switchblade yeah they code they code breaker as this is clearly the bad guy you know yeah and billy zane is so charming mm-hmm. um and he starts out very, very charming and very mild. I mean, still, he's, like, chewing the scenery like fat. But, like, the... It's, he's taking his time. It's a ramp up. And oh, then by the so end good. of the movie, he's just, like, Joey Chestnuts at the scenery eating competition. Yeah. And, like, I think about that and like, say, The Prophecy 2, where it, it comes in and Christopher Walken just like, wow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's my, my trumpet. And, um, you know, this is definitely like a buildup of that. And um, I, I, I did appreciate that, too, because it made it so wonderful when he broke that character. Yeah. Um, so Breakers is our uh, here. We don't know his name yet, but he's uh, he's got a stars on his hand and he's running and tries to steal a car. Yeah. And in, uh, in, in running from being caught for stealing the car, he meets uh, Uncle Willie, who is played by Dick Miller, who is doing a like drunk prospector bit at the beginning like he's, well i have he just lot. sort of is like a fun old man character he's i have a lot of questions uncle. about uncle willie and how he got to this place because we later learned that uncle willie didn't happen to work in the mines oh no uncle willie owned the mines i didn't catch I, that he, he drank he drank his career away uh, whose uncle was he that's the question. I don't think he's anybody's yeah. uncle. I just I think he's, I, yeah. he's the world's he's, uncle. He's the world, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the, the world's town's, uncle. Yeah, yeah the, he's the drunk that doesn't leave, so he gets detected. So technically, that makes him family. Yeah. <laughs> I aspire to that level of, of 
<laughs> global uncleness. Like I always like, I just want to be the world's well-intended dirtbag. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Willie introduces him to the Mission Hotel, which is a closed down church, which he, he notes closed down due to lack of interest in the 50s. I can love it. So like, I, had, great, I have a question. Great line. Great intro. Before he takes him to Church Motel, we get up at the Halfway House Cafe. Do you think that's a halfway house or a cafe or yes. a cafe manned by people living at the halfway house? Yes. Caging from Roach? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I really Roach, wa- Roach works there. So we, Roach? we'll find that later. He's a short order cook. Oh, that's right. Why is it that all the, like, of, of, the 90s films the the uh cross section of those with thomas hayden church and hey man nice shot why is that a circle can someone <laughs> explain this to me have you seen thomas hayden church's hair I mean, uh, okay look you know how wrestlers they come on stage they got like the big like intro music that's just what follows thomas hayden church around it's the same just richard patrick and like you the never, whole thing. You he's, just, sideways? he's just stopping in and getting like going to a deli to get a tuna sandwich hey, <laughs> richard patrick is screaming outside um fun fact richard patrick's brother is the t1000 i didn't know that that i've got a bone to pick with the parents who named them richard and robert right yeah one um, of them if they have a sister named rachel i'm gonna lose my shit well whatever i mean like they're all you know well accomplished folks so we, we dick do patrick things. is a strong name i'm sorry yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> thanks dick it's got real it's got real irish vibes that one yeah. um yeah so we also uh, we go back to the scene of the the crash as sheriff tupper and deputy bob who's played by the amazing gary farmer uh show up uh, and they find the collector who has also survived just sort of wanders. It's unclear if he just like gets out of the flaming car or just wanders. He just from wanders out of the okay. fire. I have a question about Deputy Bob. Spoilers: Is Deputy Bob pretty much just Gorman from Aliens? They give him a Gord- Gor- Gorman ending for yeah. sure. Yeah, like not in charge, but definitely the Gorman ending, where he not so much heroic sacrifices himself, but voluntarily is there when someone else heroically sacrifices herself yes and also well i think deputy bob is slightly like a a millimeter more charming because he's he's a bumbling police officer i just love that the sheriff and the deputy just believe billy zane because they're like well he's hot the handsome man with the suitcase he must be the good guy yeah, and another cow- guy had a leather jacket on. He's got to be the bad. Guy. How yeah. could a cowboy with a smile that dazzling be evil? <sighs> yeah. Oh God! So Breaker checks into this uh, Mission Hotel. We meet Gerilyn, uh, who's Jada Pinkett Smith, who is sort of like an ex-con working part-time at this place. She doesn't want to do anything, but Irene keeps telling her to to clean ovens and stuff. Uh, Irene is played by CCH Pounder. Uh, she who's runs great. the place. Which like Amanda Waller from Justice League yeah, Unlimited. She will always be Amanda Waller to me. Uh, she did the voice of Amanda Waller in all of the animated stuff. So like, oh, one more thing: when the cops see Billy Zane and they're wondering how he survived these two cars completely exploding, and he just goes, <laughs> "Airbags, what a thing!" Yeah, go, <laughs> no further, yeah. no no follow up questions. Nor is there any attempt to alert more 
emergency vehicles or something. I can I don't only think they assume have that's, more that's it. That's all the town's got. Yeah, it's Wormwood, <laughs> New two. Mexico. Yeah. It, <laughs> surely they have an ambulance. Uh, a fire truck of some kind. They're just like, ah, just leave this wreckage. It's they crazy. just point the... We gotta roll. <laughs> they point they the do, hose. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's the truck that Breaker was trying to steal. Yeah. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, we also meet uh, Cordelia, the local prostitute, is played by uh, Brenda Bakke. Um, Wally, the postman, played by Charles, Charles Fleischer, who's, yeah, uh, not great. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Roach, the uh, short order cook, played by Thomas Hayden Church, shows up because uh, it is time for him to get his nipples electrocuted. Um, and this is why we need to normalize kinks we should bring kinks you know don't don't keep kinks out of pride normalize kinks because we don't want people putting rusty car battery jump star cables on their nipples it's dangerous yeah i'd say the other venn diagram is movies where thomas hayden church gets walked in on having sex and right. now that i think about it that, that seems to pop up a lot yeah if we could combine that with the filter song yeah. yeah, which is fitting because lately my mental health has felt like the scene where Thomas Hayden Church in Spider-Man 3 figures out how to form himself into a person, but just play <laughs> that shit in reverse. Are, uh, are jumpstart cables part of it? I mean, how else do I form that? How else do my nipples either form out of sand slash break down into sand? <laughs> every every like person in, has uh, to answer that question for themselves, Ben. Yeah, well... <laughs> In, as Blood and Donuts has taught us, you can you can jumpstart a person. Look, you can jumpstart as, Thomas Hayden Church. As a writer, it's about knowing which mysteries not to solve. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. in, in a scene that I don't think would exist today, Irene uh, calls the cops uh, to alert them to Breaker's arrival, um, um, and she's just like, "Yeah, there's a weird dude at my uh, my hotel. You should send all of the cops here." Um, and, and so like, both of the cops come the cops walking in so they go into the room and they don't find the guy but then the cops walk in on the the car battery thing and then they like try to arrest him for getting his nipples shocked again it's unclear what the I, end game is there other yeah, than that they're looking for a key for billy yeah. zane who who claims that uh the breaker has stolen a key from him that's why he's here yeah, to I get don't, Something. There's there's a even... there's this is the writers trying to get all the chess pieces in, into one room right and there's like the loosest excuse of it being like p- potentially uh, she is she is uh, soliciting right um, even then I mean that's a stretch I mean I'm pretty sure it's legal to charge people to electrocute your nipples like that doesn't feel inherently so maybe it's a new form of physical therapy. Because I believe that's I believe that's a line is like I think we, we might have soliciting here and then he goes well it's more like a tune up or like oh yeah a loop yeah. a, a, yeah, a loop job yeah yeah <laughs> I'm like I don't know I feel I feel like a half I feel like even a half good lawyer could get her off on this one I'm sure a lot of people could you know if her- she isn't possessed <laughs> by the devil rips off a mailman's face and there's then has her uh, the eyeball shot shot out of her own skull which was wild i mean what a way to go right right um yeah so oh they're after the key which uh breaker's hidden willie sells him out because willie saw him hide the key and he's like yeah here's that thing that you want um and the collector tries to get willie to pour something out that's inside of it 
um, which we don't know what it is at this point, but the police stopped that from happening. And uh, they've decided not only are they going to take Breaker into custody, but they're going to take the collector into custody who they've been treating like their boss for the, the rest of this movie so far. Yeah. Um, uh, they're going to get this straightened out. Uh, at which point the collector decides he's not going to prison. He's going to punch his fist through the sheriff's face. Um, and that's it's bad planning. amazing. <laughs> because he gets his fist stuck in <laughs> sheriff's head and can't shake it off. And I'm like, dude, smash it. Okay, it's it's glorious. Billy Zane just pushing this body off of his his fist. So good. The like, special uh, effect is great because like mm -hmm. they did a whole like form mold of the dude's head, and you know he, he just punches right out the back of it. And I don't know if it's like sausage or spaghettios or what, but it all comes out <laughs> with his fist. Really, the practical effects for this movie are great. Another they are yeah. Another yeah. fun behind the scenes uh, from the documentary that they revealed was that uh, originally they weren't going to have monsters at all because the original budget had full on monster suit designs. And they're like, this is way too expensive. So we're going to do people in suits with weird eyes. And the, monster, and the monster designer went back and was like, can you let us do monsters? What Instead of monster suits, we're just going to find really skinny, tall people and paint them. And put and that glow sticks in their mouths. And that was way cheaper, so they got to do that instead. Now, we have glossed over a, a very important line in this film where Irene and uh, Geraldine and um, I think Cordelia and Breaker are sort of in a, uh, like a cafe or some, some dining area in the motel. CCA. H. Pounder delivering the first of her legendary one-liners in this movie. Um, get that pussy off the table, which she was referring to the cat, but immediately Cordelia moves off of the table because she's like, her whole body is on the table. <laughs> and I'm... Look, I don't know about the gender politics of that line, but I know both like both CCH Pounder and Brenda Backey are just nailed of timing and physical comedy and the lines of that joke. I really wish it was ad-libs. I really hope it is. If it's not, I'm going to pretend it is and I'm going to substitute reality with my own. I hope so bad that all of CCH Pounder's one-liners are ad-libbed. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, yeah, punches through the sheriff's head. Yeah, Breaker gets the key back and presses it to the collector's face. We see that it burns him. He takes off running out of the hotel and uh, he decides that uh, he's going to create a bunch of demons by using his cocaine nail to cut open his hand and uh, bleed green blood all over the place, which turns into demons. He, um, yeah. Well, they're coming out of the ground. The predator. He kisses, he kisses one of these demons that I have to imagine was made out of raw chicken at that point. <laughs> yeah, I love this scene because uh, I love movies with sort of weird when they make up their own rules and they use like real mythic totemic visuals that don't, you don't need any explanation for. Yeah. I, I just love that. He just like, you see him pierce his wrist and then shoot blood on the ground and where the blood lands, demons co comes up, which is, demons come up, which is like, which is, which is like, you know, that's some Ovid shit. It's just like, throw the teeth behind your back and soldiers yeah. will pop up. I, like, I love that kind of stuff. It reminds me of like when Freddy Krueger gets, pissed alive by a dog in a junkyard in the fourth one or Jason getting struck by lightning and, and popping out of his grave where it just goes beyond you needing to know anything. And it's just like 
just something like much more primeval, I guess, yeah. you know, it's, it's so it's cool. Like, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. 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 I made it up. That's how it works. And you, and it's just like, yep, there it is. We don't, you don't go like, well, why doesn't he just keep putting blood on the ground? You can get a like thousand of those things. It's like, no, it's perfect. You're like, it, it, it works. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there are thousands of them. And then he also, um, this is where he, I mean, he's broken his human facade in the best way possible because he's like god i'm sick of being human let's go and then he's calling them fucking ho-dunk po-dunk well then they're motherfuckers which is like a fantastic bit throws throws down his cowboy hat because he's done with that shit billy Um, zane in this a pure gift absolutely a revelation um so and then the demons come out and they're and these are cool like these are cool fucking the way to kill these demons fuck that's such a you have to hit the eyes that is such a small target to hit and then when you do they still get one last green cyclops blast out at you yeah yeah so lightning flying all over the place i i think the practical effects are really good and so is the use of viscera in this film Mm -hmm. like there's just so much viscera there's slime on everything there's weird membranes on everything i love it i love their embryonic form as they come out of the ground i think it's it's gross and cool you know yeah oh yeah it's like the fun it's like a fun xenomorph yeah and speaking of like making up rules that seem very like epic uh this is where breaker first starts sealing off doors by dripping blood from his (laughs) key on them which we will later learn was originally the blood of Christ and then later <laughs> became the blood of, of these previous demon knights. Um. Yeah, which is like the the blood of Christ scene is there's some weird flashback, which is like... Because that's almost like right after this where he has his first flashback about the death of Christ. Now, yeah. is that... Im- I was confused by the scene. Like, is it implying that Judas Issachat was the first demon knight? No, it was the, no. It was the thief that was like talking to the devil or something and then god was like yo put this blood in the thing and it'd be good i don't know <laughs> but it was a thief it was like that was the thief character and then he transferred it to the the soldier that transferred it to a uh, breaker who so. yeah, apparently there are six other keys that the demons already have and are never really even like a part of this movie. Well, apparently that shit's going to happen in space. That's what I'm saying. I need the Demon Knight cinematic universe so I can see how these alien worlds fell to Billy Zane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sort of like the uh, the Demon Knight Infinity Stone situation. Yeah. Um, I guess the seventh key, they put Jesus's blood in so that... The demons couldn't get the key or had difficulty getting the key. It's a little unclear, but like... Look, if I accepted this about whatever the fuck the Codex is and Superman's blood in Man of Steel, then I guess I'm going along with whatever this is. I mean, sure, man. And there has to be a comic book series that is all around this. If not... I mean, you get Assassin's Creed style, like, and this is who the Demon Knight in the 1500s was. yeah. I mean, we know who it was, I assume, because well, there were we only know, three of them. Well, no, there's no reason no, to think there wasn't three of them. We know he's been of Demon Knight since could, World War One, yeah. which covers a lot of time. But uh, yeah, but then before that, before I would still imagine it was kind of like one or two a century. I mean, we only get a couple flashbacks, but or was it the same guy? It was the same guy. I don't think there so. was the. I think Is they the mentioned thief? anyway. 
the, the guy who plays the thief was also the guy who played. No, there was a real like Dread the, Pirate Roberts time? bit where he was like, and they came from this yeah. guy. And the guy who gave me the thing was named this. Yeah, oh, I took yeah. it that this is like a line through yes. the that like it keeps you from aging for like however many years like we get like 90 or so I think break or so 70 80 years breaker got uh and you don't age and you're just running all the time and then eventually the stars go in a circle and then it's demon night time and then five, seven people there are seven people and then one of them is the next one yeah so uh this is he's uh securing all the entrances we we meet Geraldine's cat who is not a demon we determine um and this is where he has his flashback about Jesus. Um, who, what a raw I guess deal. It's like a genetic to, memory thing. They, I don't know. It comes with the, to the deal blood. with the trauma of other people's memories. Right. Like, yeah. imagine doing therapy. Like, so what are your issues? Well, it all started in the 1300s in Jerusalem. Well, this guy, <laughs> when he, when we finally get to the exposition, he's like, okay, I'm going to start at the beginning. God created heaven and the earth, and I'm like, dude. I like the they're like, oh, when you so the beginning, with of the, the beginning, beginning. Okay. beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is this is where we get uh, Cordelia's seduction and transformation. Uh, Cordelia hears the collector psychically talking to her through the window, um, and he, he seduces and her with promises of of loving her, unlike those other guys do. Well, um, with Cordelia, she's just had this really rough experience where. Um, Roach, Roach just convinced tried to drag her, her to outside leave. and then left her to die. Roach yeah. just being the fucking worst. Yeah, Roach is about as he's he's about as uh, charming as his name would suggest. Um, but you know, he, you have we have a buildup of like Wally's the friend zone nice guy, who she will like give him a quote unquote freebie when she feels sorry for him. But the dude that she actually just wants to bang is Roach because you know he's hot. Um, and also that mesh, that white mesh shirt. I mean, yes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he's, been, he's been theoretically shorter or cooking in this outfit for the last several hours. Like, you just imagine walking into a, like, a shitty roadside bar and, like, this guy is your, your shorter to cook with okay. his mesh shirt and yeah, can Hawaiian we shirt appreciate, on top. Can we appreciate his shirt used to be the solid. insanity of wearing a mesh shirt as a as a line or you are dealing with deep fryers that there's saying. a lot of oil and you've got a mesh shirt are you out of your goddamn <sighs> fucking mind the shirt was originally regular fashion. solid shirt and then it just got burned through he's got to take it he wears the mesh he's got to take it easy on his nipples you know he, he plays hard with them <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. He can't have he can't have abrasive fabric oil play play electric play I don't know like depending on the size of the mesh I would be like a little bit more sensitive about the mesh but it depends on what is again it depends you know what are we talking I was just glad to see a mesh shirt outside of a, the first fashion yeah like when when uh, Rose showed up I was like oh coyotes are us <laughs> like how, yeah, how it's a weird choice because he doesn't really correspond with any of the other like He's he's like a particular type of like sleaze bag, like like the the bad boy, you know. Uh-huh. And it's like I get he's got this weird like I get nobody was walking around like that, you know. I, I mean the 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 you could do the Hawaiian shirt and like the jeans type dirt bag, and then there's leather pants rocker guy type dirt bag, and yeah. they're just like do all of it all at once. <laughs> he's just a thrift store <laughs> douchebag. Yeah, it's just <laughs> he's gonna have the long greasy hair. He's gonna, it's like, it's like, uh, 
uh, LA dirtbag at the time, like that true romance, you know, throw over mm-hmm. Hawaiian shirt and then like scuzzball and uh, rocker dude, but make them a little industrial, but not too industrial. Like it's, it's wild. It's a wild choice, but I mean, he looks great. Mexican. He looks awesome. Yeah. He, he looks freaking rad. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so and of course, he, he, he is doing Thomas Hayden Church's accent, which is just like, just pure dude. Um. <laughs> yeah, he's got that Sam Elliott uh, resonance to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, she, Cordelia calls Wally in for some, some sexy times, uh, but she's very possessed and eats his face. Um, at Bless. which point everybody else hears the screams. Uh, Irene comes in and tries to shoot her. But Cordelia rips her fucking arm off. Um, they they manage to uh, kill Cordelia, but Wally is still very dead. Um, Oop, dead. And this makes everybody else decide that they should uh, follow follow Roach down into the mines. Um, this this arm rip off scene surprised the hell out of me. I did not realize that was coming. Yeah, yeah. They I, I, got, just... oh, I, I just got to point out the the transformations have this like unifying thing where their mouths get really big and they just, the, they become demonic in a way that's like grotesque and fun. Yeah. And, and, and cause she looks awesome. And what I was going to say earlier about the arm rip is that <laughs> the speed with which she just deals with the arm rip made me laugh so hard. Like she's just kind of like fine. She's like, Oh, fucking arms gone. Whatever. Like, <laughs> I, the vodka kicked in. Yeah, the vodka kicked in. Yeah. I, she doesn't go into shock. Went, she doesn't pass out. She's yeah. just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm, you know, like like when you like a lizard losing its tail or something. It's just like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's that Amanda Waller tenacity right there. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. When she was growing up in the Cabrini Projects, they used to rip off people's arms every day. <laughs> we get a real evil dead vibe when the characters turn into demons like it's way more that evil dead evil dead 2 like monsterified than zombified yeah they get the sharp ass teeth and everything Uh, i really like the dick miller's one when he when he becomes a demon he's really that's like, fantastic they give him some crazy fucking teeth in that oh man just yeah. the again the physical comedy of oh his head's ripped off but he's still attacking me quick let's blindfold the head so the body can't see where to attack <laughs> yeah cordelia gets of, the cool tongue thing too which is you know there there's a lot of uh people being hit and then cut to them slamming up against the wall yeah there's like 90 of those cuts it's constant <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah no it's like they rented a harness still. and they were going to get the use out of that thing <laughs> <laughs> everyone flies no matter what everyone gets jettisoned into the uh, bookshelf or the corner or or out a window at some point yeah yeah i love how billy zane earlier also just like he he leaves it's almost like in like the um what edgar wright has made the gag out of where he's like leaves through the fucking window it's just like deuces and um yeah there's a lot of just like slapstick shit with these action scenes um so they go into the tunnel yeah there's mine Um, tunnels underneath the hotel which they they try to run through they uh Geraldine discovers uh this kid's name Billy. Well they're, they're relying on Uncle Willie remembering these intricate mine tunnels, so the plot yeah. is a little flawed from the get-go. What were they mining? Yeah, stuff. Or things, stuff, stuff and things. 
stuff or things the stuff that's in the ground um danny danny is the boy's name that, danny. Uh, they're mining all that new mexico coal new mexico you <laughs> yeah mean. and they're very very drippy mines even though nothing is wet so i guess what they were hearing dripping was danny's tears as he was it's crying just all bat guano apparently oh yeah that too um and this is actually where I was expecting Danny to be the demon, but he was not. And then his parents, parents come out. And they have yeah. like his parents die, and his reaction is, "Well, I'm gonna go read some comics while this old man drinks and watches me." <laughs> I love how just like chill. Like there's an explosion. And he's like, "What? Oh, fuck it! I got a comic book." Yeah, he he has no existential crisis. He 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 handles it just like Luke Skywalker did. No just kinda... question. Was this character Roach's little brother? Because it didn't seem like Roach gave a shit, but I thought I he so. was. But also, it's to- I totally believe Roach has no regard at all for any family members. Because I think I because I guess it's the kid is the son of the cafe owners who yeah. Roach works for. Yeah, well, I he think apparently it was a hates because family- they pay him minimum yeah. wage for. Years I think my head would just went like, well, they both have long blonde hair, so they have to be brothers. I think the kid just sees the fashion on Roach and is like, okay, now I have, you know, some theming there. I have a goal because, you know, Roach gets ladies and is cool to a little kid, you know, because Danny is definitely the little kid who sees the like douchebag um, dude that's like getting all the ladies and he's like, that's. That is what I want to be. And then, you know. I'm going to grow up and have ladies electrocute all sorts of stuff. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> at this point, they have to run back to the hotel. The seal gets broken. A bunch of the uh, things get in and they have to like basically. They man, Geraldine, I think, accidentally seals, causes them to seal the top of the stairs. So yeah. the uh, demons can't get to the second floor where they're all going to hide. And then uh, Breaker gives us a an epic monologue about uh, <laughs> about the seven keys and the blood of Christ and how it's been passed down through generations. Again, I need to see Billy Zane hunting down space alien demon knights. Right, like has space a horror. sexy Bill- Billy Zane alien. Is he still Billy Zane or is he like Morpheus from Sandman where he just appears as like sexy demon alien? Well, he's obviously a predator as because he's got the glowing blood. So and predators are sexy. So yeah. checks out go. the math checks out. Yeah, it's, it's I don't make the rule. But um why does okay, so all the demons make a blood of Christ or it's not blood well they make a blood of Christ sound because the blood of Christ also makes the puma sound. Like it's like the kind of fucking <laughs> like puma jaguar sound that all the and then dude like brandishes the key with the blood of Christ in it, it's like and I'm like yeah, Are you one sure? Of, one of five sound effects they had at this point. Yeah. I, I don't, if you go back and you watch like 90s movies, 90s movies in particular, in, in, in especially in genre, even Scream, they are so just sound library movies. Right. There's not a lot of sounds being created for the film. They're just like, grab what's there and just fuck. It was such an afterthought. Because yeah. like when you, even when you watch Scream, when the TV lands on Stu's head, does it's he get like, Wilhelm? No, it's just like it's the most cartoonish. It almost sounds like a mono sound effect. It sounds like something from Hanna Barbera. It's just right. such a sound library electrocution noise. And same thing with like all the guns and and things in that. It's, just, it's there's not as much attention 
paid to sound in, in a lot of these movies was that they just <laughs> grab it. It's like, yeah, uh, they're demons. Uh, we got some leopards. Throw it in there. What <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember when Jurassic Park came out, them making a big deal about the sound design. They're like, we created a new sound for the T-Rex. It's like, yeah, we we hit a, we, we recorded a bunch of animals and we mixed them up and we were like, oh shit, this sounds right. Yeah, because the, yeah. the velociraptors were dolphins and walruses. Like yeah, their scream. I mean, was a dolphin walrus which i'm like okay that tracks those are both horrifying creatures yeah the like that is like uh one of the first times i ever even saw anything about sound design was the jurassic park making of things they talked about making those dinosaur noises it was on like um, primetime network TV, them talking about this too. I remember. Yeah, I, I love how much we've come in needlessly complex advancements in the name of movie effects. Like, we invented a new sound. And then 15 years later, it's Christopher Nolan being like, hey, I just wrote a paper on black hole physics in order for Matthew McConaughey to fall into a more convinced, scientifically accurate love library. <laughs> yeah. I. I think that um, you know it's it's like these when especially with a, like studio certain studio films and budgets and just things like there's like a post production pipeline you just get thrown into mm-hmm. and and a lot of the times like like I don't like that I mean I every every sound and bit was and all my movies was made from scratch outside of some of the boomers um, so you're always trying to find a new way but uh, uh, sound is often an afterthought it's just like yeah. The, the sound guys will just fill it in with junk and they just yeah. go to the drop down menu and pick it out and throw it in there is, is often even movies. I like a lot is often how they often how they do that. And this is one of those movies. Holy cow. Like every pratfall, everything, every single boot step or something like that. It's just, it's all, it sounds all very sound library to me. I, I think in this film, especially, I think it's a little charming because of the, Oh yeah the cartooniness of it i mean that's oh, not yeah. something that i think that you know if we don't i don't think we need to hold that standard up to a lot of these horror movies i know we're we're holding them to standards they never agreed to but um yeah i i think that the cartoon sound effects are just like the stock sound effects can be also have they have their own charm like the mm-hmm. wilhelm and then i don't know what they call the screen this the lady scream file that i that i always hear which was also uh, in this movie. The way Futurama makes every door sound, the Star Trek door sound, doors yes. opening. I want to see a movie that makes every scream the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I, I hate the Wilhelm scream. I, I'll never put it in. It's like that you try, you get people will try to convince you to put it in because it's like a tradition, like for good luck. Like you find, and I'm like, no, get it the fuck out of there. Um, the, the, yes, you are right, though. It is charming for this movie. It works really well for this movie. The restraint they showed not using a penny whistle every time somebody is backhanded into a wall. Right. You know? <laughs> was like, mm. That was implied. We heard that mm-hmm. in our minds. That was the, the power of that craft is that, you know, we remember <laughs> it happening, but it wasn't actually there. I don't think I think it would have taken my brain a second to register if Billy Zane just had cartoon sound effects wherever he went. Like, I, mean, I think he, I'd, I feel like it'd ta- at least be a few minutes where I'm just like, oh, of course, this character is just making cartoon sounds. Aren't they not animated? And then I'd figure out I'd remember, wait, no, this is a live action movie. I think that, yeah. again, that if he had cartoon sound effects, honestly, it would be also a, a gilding the lily situation where you're like, no, we don't need it. It's it's there. It's between the sounds. I wish somebody would have slipped on a banana peel, though. Like, that would have been 
it would have just made it right over the top. They, they, someone slips on something. Super slips on a banana peel and impales themselves. That's just the, yeah, the yeah. kind of movie this is. Slips on the blood of Christ. <laughs> that was <one. laughs> uh, into, into a banana peel. Into a banana peel. Yeah, yeah. That's how you kill the demon. Banana peel of Christ. <laughs> the banana peel. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the last life. banana he was given. Yeah. It's last supper. <laughs> <laughs> you not know the last supper had a banana. Yeah, I mean. And he gave away all of the bread and all of the wine, so he just had a banana. Judas is like, here, have this banana, Jesus. And Judas is like, oh, <laughs> banana peel is what, like, that he, like, that's, fell into some Romans, so that's... That's why Judas really betrayed him. He threw the banana peel, and Judas slipped, and he was like, yeah, you did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying Judas, that's how Judas set Jesus up. Yeah. Judas through the banana. Like, mm. I feel like Judas is the first banana peel, right? <laughs> like, the, the first, first banana peel gag was Judas Iscariot. Yes, it was. Uh, it's sort of like the like a the. Um, I, I, I really remember the part where Jesus said, "Like, let he who has no sin throw the first banana peel." Like, that's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that's what I mean. Again, translations. Who knows. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, okay. uh, well, that's now it's considered apocryphal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I say, yeah. apoc- the apocryphal banana peel, you know, the that original betrayal. Yeah. that has it's the has, banana peel and the talking lion are now out of the the uh, King James canon. Yeah, yeah they're, they're in the book where Jesus and his disciples go around and solve crimes and hunt ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay hold on we have to talk about this next scene because danny goes missing and then everybody decides to go looking for danny they split the party immediately and yeah. uh geraldine goes to look under beds and w- wanders into a music video yeah um, the fucking r&b video with all the curtains it's the hunger all the curtains. There's more curtains <laughs> than a tony scott movie um yeah and there's uh, just a giant picture of her with hands behind it uh and starts bleeding and uh Billy Zane just pops up out of nowhere and is like, hey, man, don't you want to, like, go do fun stuff and travel the world and, and be cool like me? I can make that happen. And uh, this is the first think... first time she'll spit in his face. Yeah, and you know what? Billy Zane is not... He's probably not... Well, you know, he does spend time with his kids when he can because he loves those demons. You know? What a man. Demons. What a mighty good man. What a man, what a man, what a mighty yeah. good man. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so... It, the movie tries to give us a fake out where it's like, oh, maybe Jada Pinkett gave in. Maybe she didn't. Who knows? Yeah. But we all know she's way too badass. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Did anyone feel like watching it or remember the first time watching it not knowing if like, did you think that he had successfully turned her? Or did you kind of know that she was too cool? Cool. I mean, I knew she was too cool for his school. But I feel like there was, you know, there were a couple moments where they, they were really telegraphing it. And, you know, I mean, I, I could imagine a, a me that would have fallen for it. Um, not to be too like, but. The, the, I just thought it's like, look, I know the devil is going to take over and darkness will destroy everything. But maybe Paris will still be pretty cool in the infinite darkness and death. Yeah. I mean, the most, the most ridiculous element of this movie is that somebody could resist the charm of Billy Zane. I right? Mean, Not in this I movie. Mean, he goes, he goes Sci- over to with black yeah. women in this movie, though. 
<laughs> he does. Yeah. He, d- yeah. he tries well, to offer, like, shortly after, they t- tries to offer CCH Pounder her arm back um, on a plate, pretending uh, like it's he's doing a whole waiter bit. That was and, incredible. And she that holds was, out I, her stump, and he's like, I guess that's a no. And she's like, I'm flipping you off. I you love that great. so yeah. much. That's great. I feel like he's really phoning it in though with the with the the arm on a plate, you know, because like he really goes hard with. Um, he's too busy Cordelia. summoning all the naked women yeah. at that point. He de- he yeah. doesn't seem to need CCH powder. He just seemed to really enjoy fucking with her on that one. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> "No, she's. Um, I don't think she's gonna go for it. So I might as well just be like to half-ass this one and <laughs> be like, here's your arm.'" That was that was the C grade material he got put in all the effort into his Hunter S. Thompson cosplay. Yeah. That was I, intense, I also, yeah. I also think the the you know, to give the movie a little credit, there's an element of not everybody can be tempted, but he can lower their morale by yeah. pointing out what they don't have or what they want, you know? So yeah. even if they don't sign on the dotted line, he's sort of reminded them of their of where they're trapped at. I do feel like that was good, like effectively, and again, good character building for Geraldine, like letting, trying to like kind of letting us know what she does want, what society mm-hmm. has kept from her. Yeah. Whereas with CCH Pounder, it's just like, you don't have an arm. And she's like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, just I was there. It, yeah, it just is... happened. I'm still relying on vodka as anesthetic. <laughs> and this is where Everywhere. we get uh, Willie's temptation scene where uh, he just he amazing. Walks in. He walks into the room Incredible. looking for Danny and uh, there's just a, a room full of uh, topless models there who are there for uh, a party for him. Uh, so when you're when you're 10, you're uh, and you're like you are when you're me and you're 10, I guess uh, you are constantly on a booby safari of some kind. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are hunting like you would th- bless Bill Clinton's. Uh, a rating system that he made TV shows have with the the violence nudity V and N and like the little things they had to put up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that just let me know that I wasn't wasting my time when I'd like turn on HBO. Uh, my my parents, my dad stole cable when I was a kid, so I had HBO very young. Um, little black and white TV in the in in, in my room, and I I'd be like, oh, the, this movie's got nudity in it. I'm watching this. There will be boobs. And so this was like, you don't have to hunt at all, uh, little Brad. Here's just, you found the, you, this big game hunt ends today. Here's all yeah. the boobs you'd ever want in Stop one dr- scene. Stop <laughs> drilling your head oil. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A variety of boobs. What, what sort of boobs would you like? I, uh, I'm just saying if Billy Zane would have walked up to me with that exact same deal that Willie's getting when I was 10, uh, I would have signed right on that dotted line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is very deliberately also a parody of beer commercials at the time. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. like it because he's an alcoholic as well, and it's just like here, here it is. Here's here's that promise that's now. in those. Yeah, he, he seems yeah. to know that this is the collector demon trying to possess him and turn him evil. But free booze is go. free booze. It, like it seems to be that he seems to know that he's doing something he shouldn't, but. there's an yeah because it's it's ultimately the alcohol that gets him um and the and i think there's like a really nice moment i I wish i i can almost visualize like you know these these uh the models who are being used in this scene like like 
wanting like how to stand out or have some screen time. There's this like the one of them actually grabs his arm and sort of like helps him reach. Yeah. The uh, reach for the booze. Like, I thought yeah. that was really neat. Like she just kind of like, and it's really sinister. I think it's it's the the, the whole thing has a like an evil beer commercial. Yeah. And the, the girls are are um, the, the women are very like sweet. Like they're not rubbing up on him so much as they're just like kind of holding him and they're supporting him and they're like drink you know it is very like angelic in a way yeah um so he he goes full demon and decides he's gonna kill uh breaker um pins breaker to the wall breaker chops off his head the bone then rolls across the floor and the uh body falls into a pile and then uh head opens its eyes back up and they tries to kill him again uh even though it's not attached the the body tries to kill him and uh danny solves this by by sticking the uh the head onto some deer antlers and, and impaling the eyes with that um and then brian fuller was like all right this is one yeah this is one scene where geraldine really freezes up you think like oh maybe she really did take the deal and really danny's just fucking going kill crazy he's like he is on top of it <laughs> yeah Danny is a desensitized youth. He has been playing is, too many video games. Yeah, I was just gonna say, books. I was, I was Danny's age when this movie's out, and it's just like it totally tracks. It's just, <laughs> just I'm, I'm reading Spawn comic books, and frankly, the world being taken over by demons and getting to have just guilt-free violence would, uh, I, I would be right up on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. This is the best thing that could be happening to, so I don't have to go to school tomorrow. Great, cool. I'll just <laughs> slam this head on some antlers. This is awesome. Uh, no more homework, no more books. I'm going to go steal Roach's car. This is going to rule. Um, can, and what can I blow up? Uh, yeah, Speaking so of completely Roach. tracks. Speaking of Roach, Roach doesn't even need to be approached and seduced by the, the demon. He just, he goes to the demon. He's like, hey man, <laughs> I just want to get the fuck out of here. Like, Yeah, he has stolen the, the flask. Yeah. And he's like, I... I'll make a deal with you. And <laughs> it's cool if I give you Thomas, this key and leave, right? That you're a demon, but you'll like totally just let me go, right? Thomas Hayden it's Church like, and Billy Zane are so funny together in this scene. Yeah, they are. Uh, that I fucking just love... sponge that pops out of Billy Zane's mouth. Is the just the <laughs> zaniest great. fucking thing. It's a good sight gag. Zane does it really well, but I also just love that Roach's whole thing is like, listen, I know you're this is all real it's happening so i'm pretty sure breaker's not lying and everything's gonna be turned into uh hell on earth you know yeah but uh i can still party right (laughs) like that's his like whole like uh his whole thing and 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 like yeah sure you know we're not shutting any of that down um because it is partying it is bananas that anybody would (laughs) just yeah yeah let's just uh make a deal we're gonna cut a deal. He's not a bad guy. Everything you know? that Roach has said the entire movie is all just to make this death scene here the most satisfying, mm-hmm. cathartic part of the whole film. Yeah. So yeah, like Roach, Roach is like, "Cool, Scott free," and then uh, the collector turns around. And he's like, "Ah, oh, actually, no, you're gonna be torn apart horribly." Yeah, I lied. Um, I lied. I lied, and then just rip it apart. It's great. Humans ripping apart. There's blood spouting everywhere. It's oh my real. god. He, he gets the, the I grossest absolutely death. love Billy Zane's line where he tells Roach, Via con Diablos. Yes, the Via con Diablos. 
so good. Oh, the, there's no there's no monkey's paw element. He's not destroyed by some desire of his. He he's just like, no, nah, I lied, and just gets. <laughs> yeah. And I love the big geyser of blood that shoots up when he gets attacked. It looks really cool. Yes, yeah, I love it. It's so perfect. It's just like I'm a demon. I lie. Yeah, the demons also there's there's a bit earlier where he's like spitting on the demons down below and he's just playing like target practice with the demons <laughs> yeah. that are all like eh, eh, you know and they're cool they're cool demons they've got like it's weird because they're like mortal Kombat background villains you know because they all got like weird goro ponytails and some of them got earrings and then they all have like digigrade feet and shit and they just look like they're having the times of their lives you know, some of them might have clothes on. I don't know, but like, it, it's interesting because the Dust Till Dawn thing. Because the the demons do look like the vampires in From Dust Till Dawn. They have yeah. the same same tactile quality. The same like skinny guys with the prosthetics added to them. Yeah, um, the human type of faces. I wouldn't even be surprised just... if there was. I, 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 you know what? I should look into who did this. I should know that. But was it K and B that did this movie? I don't. I don't know. I can't remember. I wouldn't be surprised because if it was, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just brought those into from Dust Till Dawn laying around the shop, you know? Yeah. They are very similar. Yeah. They're a little bit more gross in this one, a little bit slimier and like, yeah. They look like they're sort of refurbished for <laughs> Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he washes away the barrier so that these demons can all come up. Uh, CC Pounder. Irene decides to uh, sacrifice herself using all the grenades she found from Wally's stash of things he was saving to kill people. Um, yeah, he was. He had a whole note about how he was going to take out the post office for Cordelia. Um, that was one of the most sigh-inducing moments of the movie. That was. Maybe, yeah. Did somebody shoot somebody on behalf of Jodie Foster recently when they were making this movie, and it was fresh in people's heads? There was that, there and was... then also the going postal trip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I love that to the very end, CCH Pounder is going out, just delivering gloriously over-the-top one-liners. I mean, just yelling, supper time, and then exploding <laughs> yeah. is kind of how I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in that, in that circumstance, perhaps. Um, you, you can tell she's having a ton of fun in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Just just having a ball and getting to play a, a badass and getting to do stuff that's not so serious. And, and you know, she just, you can feel her having fun. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, that's, it's that awesome. is one of the wonderful things about these sort of indulgent films is, you know, when you see the people, the actors having the time of their lives, there's, you know, no matter what, you can tell when somebody is enjoying themselves and it could be like the dumbest movie ever like i just watched psycho gorman um mm -hmm. and that movie everyone in that movie was just like fuck it <laughs> you know and it was a blast to watch um but uh every actor bringing uh, that nicholas cage energy like we're just gonna fucking do this let's go yeah 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 um and i love that danny here's the explosion the fucking like 10 12 grenades that were like strapped to irene and he hears the explosion the whole place shakes and he's like what it's a comic book he's reading yeah. comic books man that shit's important yeah yeah he's he's sitting up there it's down to like 
Danny, Geraldine, and Breaker, they're all sitting up in the belfry of this old church. Um, and Breaker's like, oh, I'm going to seal off one more thing. What should I seal off? And Geraldine's like, oh, the window right here. And he's like, oops, I spilled blood on you. And she's like, oh, uh, whatever, and puts the blood on the window and it seals. And it's like, oh, no, Geraldine has has power too she's gonna be the next demon knight uh she don't want it uh but it's too late because danny is corrupted by comic books as we all were and uh turns it's into inevitable. a giant mouth monster and starts, <laughs> starts look when people ask me as when people ask like as a comic writer what is your retirement plan i tell them eventually i will reach my final stage of a john carpenter horror monster with a terrible murder tongue and then a younger fitter comic writer will kick me through a window where i will explode preferably while yelling supper time yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean so someday someday uh, you're gonna have some sort of horrible horror movie death so he's gonna be like and the last thing he they yelled was was supper time i don't don't know it didn't seem relevant but (laughs) look my options are either body horror murder window or I moved to Florida at some point and I'd rather take my chances with the murder window. Well, having a uterus I already have some body horror apparently because that's some Ridley Scott shit. (laughs) I'd Happily the body, it- the human body is body horror. Have you? Yeah, no, it doesn't this matter. Thing? It's horrifying. You know, it doesn't matter what, like, fucking, you know, the the evil pregnancy trope aside. It doesn't matter what fucking equipment you have. Pancreas, no pancreas. Actually, I think you need that. I'm thinking the appendix. That's the one you don't need. But well, there's you know, the appendix, and I like to think of it as the void of appendix. Yeah, the, and then there's the the appendix um, void. The, the A appendix. Um, anyway, where was I going with this? I I legitimately do not know. Cancer. The end. Okay. <laughs> Did you just say cancer devoid of any context? No, the context is the human body is body horror because cancer. Well, this is the part where we murder a <laughs> child in this content? movie. Um, we're, we're at the I'm child sorry. murder part. He turns into a demon and so they kill him. Um, yeah. No attempt, to, the, no attempt to save this the guy. Ward. Again, they kick, throw him through the ward window. It, it's a big-ass explosion. It's great. This movie rules. And we see the lone Converse all-star flaming from the explosion of this like demon. <laughs> and I love single, that shot. Yes. And a single okay. tear went down my cheek. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the dead the child, but for embers. the... Dis- yeah, Not for the dead child, but for the destroyed Converse. Yeah, it was an original Converse. That one was probably actually cheap. Um, I, yeah, I love that they killed the kid, and I love, I loved it. It's great. Yeah, um, and then so break your hands off his powers and the key. Uh, at the point that he dies, apparently all of his seals are null and void. So the collector just wanders up there to uh, to Geraldine. He and, doesn't uh, wander, Jeremy. He rises through <laughs> the fucking attic door the crawl space door in the floor it's glorious in fucking ray-bans <laughs> and he's this like movie fucking oh yeah this shit it's so good, <laughs> so good. i love like, this hey. movie so much y'all we we totally forgot speaking of the ray-bans the part where he gets shot in the eye with an arrow through the ray-bans and then stands back up and goes man I really like those glasses. Yeah. <laughs> we'll ah, out. 
How about his love? What's his line like? Who's ready to Who's ready to play? He's so good. And then yeah, we the, during the the um, Uncle He's Willie so bit, good. they're in a room full of like machetes and um like yes. Why does this motel? Why does this motel have a machete room? I mean, That's the other kink room. We got the car battery room, and then we got the machete room. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm at. Um, I mean, we know Thomas Church didn't bring the car battery in with him, so it had to already be in the motel ready for sex. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so the queen comes to Geraldine. She's covered in blood, and uh, he tries to make a grab for her, and she's like, "Oh, this isn't my blood," and. Uh, you know, she's covered herself in uh, Breaker's blood and uh, it burns him. So he, he runs away. And uh, I do love how the blood is temporarily replenishable so long as you still have access to Breaker's bleeding corpse. Yeah, he's and his corpse apparently is still pumping. So he's been sitting there with his torso yeah. for like a while. I was worried at the end where it's like, she used all the blood. What happens now? And the movie's like, we got you. We're covering it. She's yeah. gonna get more blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then he. Then there's this very, very, very well, very upsetting scene where she is forced to take a bath. I mean, I and think this is the most like uncomfortable for her me. With a shower curtain, and then you know, forcibly washes the blood off of her. It's upsetting, but he also yells, "It's curtains for you." That, okay. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like just being forced to take a bath like that bit was, but like the it's curtains for you. You know, the, the blow was softened. He did manage to clean her undershirt really well. I mean, her, yeah. she's only wearing an undershirt and panties, and they're immaculate in this last scene. Yeah. Like, that is a very nice bath, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> she was covered in blood, but like her, her, you know, white undershirt and panties come out of it just it, spotless. You must have thrown some tide in that bathtub. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he. This 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 seduction scene. The tango. Where they're doing the tango, and she is already swallowed. We've seen her swallow the blood in the in the flask. So mm-hmm. he's like doing this whole monologue, and just line after line after line just kills it. Um, trying to get her to th- to agree to go away with him, and uh, he's he's all about trying to turn a demon knight. Um, nobody's ever managed to do that before. Um, and then finally, he she she won't answer him, so he decides that he's going to kill her and sweeps her in, and she uh, spits a mouthful of blood right in his face. And before uh, we get to that, I think yeah. we must address that a flaming tentacle comes out of his crotch. It's like Incineroar. <sighs> it, 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 for yeah, reasons he, it's so bizarre <laughs> i mean it is it's kind of like he's like oh down boy or something like he's he, it's it's his weird fu- like his dick is made of fire and it I, comes out of his pants and then it it goes back into his pants and the pants zip up by themselves i so, so love the idea that he had, that his erection is just a pillar of fire it's real I biblical mean, shit right there that's a exactly yeah it's a weird it's such a weird moment too because it it feels like there's going to be like it, you don't need it at all. Like it, it's so weird. It's such a <laughs> strange thing. Cause then they had to sit there and they rotoscope it and stuff like that. And like, it is, it's not a power he's previously established. It's it has to be really banana expensive. Like, cause it's an effects yeah. shot. Like it's, it's it, it the, the rotoscope can't be like cheap. It doesn't it's a better like effects. It's, 
even right. part of the regular demon possession. It, it just feels like some Louis C.K. shit that happens to involve <laughs> fire. Yeah. Oh, it, God. It, it really does. Oh. It really has a, a strange thing because it, it's like, it. you'd think that would have, it's like she's done nothing to like, like what is the the element that made him go, oh, now I'm all excited about this. You know, it's, it's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre, it's, it's something just- I'd actually forgotten about until the rewatch even though I've seen it a lot, I'm like, oh yeah, this scene this is really weird. Um, it's like a, just a visual gag, I guess. It is. It's completely a visual gag at at the at right at right as we're about to reach the sort of like uh, final. Uh, I mean, we're in the final confrontation. It's a strange. It's a strange move. Uh, and if it wasn't for Billy Zane's performance, it just it would be even more egregious. I think. Like, I think yeah. it's a reference to the original ending, which they talked about in that behind the scenes documentary where Billy Zane in the final confrontation becomes just a wall of living fire with a face. And then oh. it, it tested really badly. It tested really badly because audiences like wanted to see him be defeated like as Billy Zane. And it wasn't very satisfying to just see a, a wall of fire disappear. Interesting. Uh, this so I think it's tango a... scene was like reshot and added after it was first screened because like it just ended with like her fighting a special effects wall of fire with his face. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of a reference to that original plan and kind of like almost where you can mark like and here's where the new ending. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That, now that makes perfect sense because it does feel like it's building to something that doesn't happen. Like that makes that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. This is where he would turn into. The, she says no, and this is where he'd turn into the fire boss. Yeah. You know? And they're like, "Oh, we already did this. We already paid for this effect, and this, and our demarcation line is here to get her back up on her feet." Now, now that and all it's like, now. can can we get Billy Zane to just do some random hip gyrating? It's like we've already got twenty minutes of footage of that on that. We're good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and he can't say love. I don't know why he doesn't just say lesbians, but. Uh, <laughs> predates that joke thing i do love now listen i'm sure that brand leo malley got that joke from somewhere (laughs) okay i can go i can go on or off to me what made that joke was he had his trouble struggling with the word love describing his feelings for her and then he just kept that same non-terminology for her supposed feelings for him (laughs) yeah well he just couldn't say he's like do you and you me yeah it almost it almost had the same kind of energy where they're like you gotta pop out the l word and you know we're suddenly this is a completely different story a storyline that was a surprisingly major part of lucifer season five (laughs) i haven't seen that can the devil say the word love was a big part of several episodes i just read the comic books Um, it's a silly show but i love it a lot I, I've so he, heard. So Billy Zane turns it. into the giant demon from the end of Hellraiser um, and explodes. Yeah, but I was going to make that joke. <laughs> it, that, it really is. It's yeah. like the same thing, yeah. yeah. Which is also a collector. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he explodes and then we... And it's we also get... like the demon in the Golden Child. Like, yeah. There's like, there's like oh, a, yeah. They're all like kind of the same, yeah. It's all, it's all in canon. The same canon. Yeah, and then we get this uh, closing scene of, of Geraldine uh, getting on a bus and uh, enchanting the doorway with the blood. 
when a, a man in black moves to get on the bus and, and changes his mind um and then you know follows the follows the bus um and whistles the tales from the crypt theme song as he's doing so and then we yeah, have a, a horrible uh like an unnecessary bookend with crypt keeper again which uh is just like i don't know an, another ending it's it's like return of the king out here uh-huh. <laughs> And the last pun, he gets this last pun. Although I do like that they, you know, he walks the red carpet and then gets his head cut off. And then he, the last pun isn't very good. Like the, all the puns up to that are better. Like his entertainment, like that one, I was like, wait, is he talking about it being interred? Like a corpse? I mean, I assume it's not very yeah. good. <laughs> um, he also says baby booby bubby, which I've, that's very unique. I, I don't think that's someone on the some one of the writers or somebody was called that by their parents and they're like i am going to um i need to express this i need to this is catharsis for me apparently they had a couple more models that they hadn't featured that just needed to you know stand near the crib keeper in these last couple of scenes um yeah and that's it it just sort of fuds to a finish there after that and then he it's then if you watch the credits he he asks us to come back for the next Tales from the Crypt movie, Dead Easy, which never came out. Never, yeah, never came out. <laughs> I want to I go to that timeline. But yeah, it is just this weird coda on an otherwise really strong ending. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 like like the opening, it feels, it does a little bit of a disservice to the, to yeah. the whole affair. Yeah. It's so punny and zany and, and not at all in the like feel of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, with having seen Billy Zane be so like actually funny and over the top throughout it, then you know, just sort of adding the crib keeper on the end, it feels like, oh, <laughs> this guy, that's it, right. Yeah, it, it it doesn't. It would have worked if they just would have kept both of them super short. Yeah, yeah. He pops out of the thing, says what you're about to watch, and at the end, hope you had a good time. See you all later. He's got some models standing around him. We're out of here. Yeah, it goes a long where like. He gets out of yeah. the car. He's doing the schmoozing. Oh, my producers. And then you get the guillotine. And then we show like the aftermath of the guillotine. It's, it, it's yeah. again, it's an unnecessarily long sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, overall, having seen this, uh, what do you think, guys? Is this a, is this a feminist movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely, definitely not the crypt keeper buttons for I, sure. I think, but I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, we talked a lot about Ernest Dickerson. I, I think Ernest Dickerson makes some real, like, good decisions and strides. I think, especially with the Geraldine character, yeah, that, like, it, it's do all a the... thing that the rest of this movie, uh, that a lot of other parts of this movie are actively undercutting. But like, it's all in the Geraldine yeah. character. Like, there's. A lot like, you know, I think Cordelia is humanized and sympathetic, but there's also some questionable elements of this movie's portrayal of sex work. Yeah. Um, You know, Irene CCH Powder is fantastic, but also is more of a one liner delivery. Yeah, she's not a complex character. character. Uh, Yeah, I want this. The whole movie's real broad strokes. Yeah, but Geraldine is just so strong and is just so different and fully realized and unique from really just all the any final girl we've seen up until now that i don't know i 
I don't know where to rank on the definitively is this feminist or not, but I would <laughs> I lean towards the side of is if only for just how great a character Geraldine is. Geraldine, well, I think that Geraldine's character is is the. I mean, we have a, a we have quite a negative for this little bit of positive. You know, I think that the the uh, the progressive quality of Geraldine's character is really um, thrown into focus by how just much of a mess everything else is. So I don't know if I would call, I wouldn't call the movie feminist, but I will say that that Ger- the the Geraldine story and her character is much like our Aladdin allegories we've been making or references. I don't know, words are cool. Um, she's a diamond of the. This is this character is a diamond in the rough in the rough of the rest of this like cartoon film um and that i think that's really satisfying i don't think it makes it feminist but i think you know i'm i will give them credit for that little bit that those decisions made to make this you know um a more interesting and you know and also have the final girl be a black woman which i think is very important and an ex-convict at that yeah 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 like somebody who actually has an arc as well yeah. that our virgin character are in that in a virgin whore dynamic was someone who again is someone who is be much more flawed tough like incapable than we normally get from it and it was just i don't know i just enjoyed how it played with that dynamic we've just seen so many times again just on Geraldine's side but me again that's just this movie gives me one of my two of my favorite horror movie protagonists in Breaker and Jerlene and one of my absolute favorite villains in Billy Zane's The Collector. Um, I I think that um that with the Madonna or not Madonna, but like the Virgin Horror complex or the Virgin Horror, you know what I mean? Virgin Horror thing, mm-hmm. horror movie thing. Um, that is an interesting subversion of that because Geraldine is much more of an aggressive character. Um and while she is uh, visually more of the quote-unquote virgin um cordelia is a lot more of a, a an innocent character you know she's a lot more of totally. a totally yeah she's not because you see the horror characters that are you know, um i should say quote-unquote horror characters in terms of this this uh trope um that are sexually aggressive right really that ends up being seems to be cordelia as well as that she's tragically innocent yeah, she's tra- the, what what she um, is weakest against is this promise of a good dude who is like, I mean, at the end of her rope, she's, you know, uh, Wally's a piece of shit, obviously, um, f- for his own reasons. Roach is a hot piece of shit, you know, <laughs> and she just wants a good good guy and she is at the the sort of most desperate she's ever been and then billy zane's outside being like hey baby like i don't he didn't even need to do that whole monologue for her you know but his he didn't even need to set up billowing curtains and travel and fake travel photos well that's for geraldine but for cordelia you know he that's what i'm saying he had to he had to like put together a whole locale (laughs) he He just changed the room for for cordelia he just had to do some psychic tear wiping and she was good yeah but i mean i think that that um that was kind of an interesting thing because it was very obvious that um cordelia was a victim of abuse and it her she didn't have any shame around her uh her sex workshop either because she was saying like oh well you know 
she was she was kind of a timid character but she wasn't timid in that you know she was like okay i'll have sex you know it was not um she offers to throw wally a freebie i'm like don't give wally a freebie. yeah but yeah she's 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 throwing wally a freebie she's um she's uh um her her victimhood doesn't have to do with her uh her job i think i mean i think that that's it gets kind of mixed in because of just the kind of movie that it is but she could have just been like any girl that looks cute in this movie and still had the same with the the um direction her character went you know being the girl who's sort of like the, the nice girl who is uh totally snowed by the douchebag um yeah, I, I think if we're talking in the strictest terms the the character doesn't have much agency no um and is and is just sort of a, like a, a wilting lily uh the 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 sex work aspect the um is it's almost like by error of omission yeah. they they don't really hammer on it too hard um in so much as like shaming her for that but but there is an element that like, I, I feel like her whole thing is probably the the most problematic element of the film because the there's though she's no nobody's like it seems to be that everybody's accepting of her it's, it, there is an element of just like she's a sex worker because of this trauma she's yeah. a, and and that she's really just needs a a good man you know and and yeah. if she'd yeah. only stop being with this you know these desperate men or this bad guy over here it, it's it, again this movie's using really broad like strokes and archetypes that, that have been around forever and then like almost sneaking up under the rug of the yeah. whole film is is jada pinkett's character that just kind of like defies them all and i i don't know how intentional that was i know the casting was intentional but uh from dickerson's part but in the writing or anything like that because she is the least broad character uh in the film i mean she's still there's still broad strokes done but she's sort of the most lived in least broad character and just kind of like uh yeah, I I am on the firm side of this movie not being feminist. I think yeah. <laughs> no fucking way would I call it that. But I do think that it has interesting elements uh, in 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 its baton pass and who it and who it focuses on that make it sort of uh, age a little better than some other films that are that are also genre programmers. You know? Yeah, I yeah. think the the place where it where the the progressive stuff intersects with the movie is is much more on the racial side because you know we do mm-hmm. have uh in addition to you know the cch pounder and um um and uh jesus uh jada pinkett smith um we do also have mark farmer who's you know a, a, a who's a native um actor mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we have we have both cch pounder and uh, but both the black characters are given much more agency. Uh, they kind of like CCH Pounder's character is a little bit of you know over the top uh, type, uh, but you know th- to know that like the producers of this movie wanted to cast Geraldine as Cameron Diaz mm-hmm. is like that is not a movie Ooh. that would be at this that's level. A, that's yeah. a that's very a different movie that is not as 
good as what we got. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's almost like some of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that's good, I think, is either the direct influence of the director or things that are sort of by accident, quotation marks, like like the fact that, you know, we have a, a, you know, leading female character who is uh, who, who is physically projected as being strong, who has short hair, who has like, uh, you know, does not fit the type of the sort of uh, final girl that we we're seeing a lot at this point of, you know, the very innocent type. Yeah. I like that she's worried about her cat and that the cat doesn't get hurt. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the use of the term final girl is interesting because that can be opposed over this structure, but it doesn't have a slasher film structure. It's a siege movie structure. Yeah. It's yeah. really like she becomes a demon knight. Yeah. Like yeah. she's, she's now an elect form of like troubadouring heroes that the, and, and, and it's like, now you must prove your metal. It's, I was it's not, glad it's, that it's we sort of okay. again it's all it, more by error of omission does it sort of land in a better place but yeah. i do think dickerson's casting helps all of that I, I think dickerson has a lot to do with 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 that being uh a, a, a some positive of this film i was glad we got the title drop of demon knight because I wasn't sure if Demon Knight referred to Billy Zane as a knight who is a demon or Breaker as a fighter, as a knight who fights demons. Either yeah. way, I don't give a shit what this movie's called because it's cool. It's fucking yeah, awesome. It's super this fun. movie's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I do, I, I agree, uh, Brad, about the, um, certainly about the sex work thing too, about how, like, the yeah. omission, I don't think it's on purpose that... Yeah the cordelia gets you know like she's she she also doesn't have agency you know and i think that the way that it comes across is accidental um in terms of like anything that is that is anywhere subverting tropes about it you know because otherwise she's um you know horse don't have friends as roach says um which is rough as hell and she's you know um she gets to turn it around on him one scene later with assholes don't have friends yeah but (laughs) you know throw it it back at you roach it is also like the um, extending that that really really harmful stereotype that sex workers are all sex workers are victims of something, um, you know. And if if I was tasked with like redoing this movie, that would be the ele- like you could almost survive every other element, and that would be the element that would need to change the most. I feel. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. what do you think? Like if. If she was just a girl that loved this state at the hotel that wasn't a sex worker, like, do you think it would work the same? It just depends. I think, you know, if it's coming out today, mm-hmm. no, it wouldn't work or it would, it would not because you still, you're still dealing with the, the, it depends on the audience, how accepting they are of somebody in a, an abusive relationship. Right. And how, yes. how yeah. willing they are to go along with that as like a piece of somebody's character, a piece of a woman's character. Yeah. Um, I myself uh, think that there's, you know, because the movie's on such a fun tip that I think would could do without that or a reframing or restructuring of that. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I, I don't think anything should be off the table for creatives to explore. Um, but this movie is a, cartoon and has a vibe to it that i'm like i think you could reframe that in a lot of ways yeah, uh, i don't actually, think you yeah. Yeah. this movie I, does not have 
I just want to say real quick about the the abusive relationship thing. Like, I think this movie does not have the maturity to deal with the subtlety no. of that. Um, you know, I no, was no, reading no, into no. it as just because of you know things that I've experienced and stuff like that. But yeah, um, for sure, Ben, you were saying. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's like we said, a lot of this movie's pitfalls and where it most fails. Uh, in being a feminist film is in its depiction of sex work and its treatment of sex workers. And I don't think Cordelia really needs to be a sex worker for the story to really be fundamentally unchanged just as someone who lives in the town and is caught between these two awful men who are awful for their own reasons and is just looking for love and just feels powerless in this small town life with a limited pool of terrible people. Yeah. I almost feel she could be excised from it, from the film yeah. in general. That, that's um, interesting to me because I, I feel like... But then who's going to electrocute Thomas Hayden Church's nipples? <laughs> I, I true. feel like... Irene. I don't it's necessarily true. have a problem oh. with Cordelia being there or Cordelia being a sex worker as long as like we reframe the way that that's dealt with. Yeah. I think like the first thing I can get rid of is Wally, just as a whole. The whole character can go. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. that that has a negative effect on the character of Cordelia, uh, the whole existence of that character. And I mean, I think Roach can be there. Roach can be an asshole, um, as long as it's not like this. Like framed as this choice between either she can be with the creepy guy who really likes her, or she can be with the asshole who doesn't really like her but is hot, um, and like. I don't know that's like I feel like having talked to like uh, our our episode about it follows when we were talking with Tina Horn just the way that like horror uses sex workers as shorthand a lot of times in this really this really awful way um, mm-hmm. you know is something that like I think you can have sex workers in horror movies without necessarily being like and this indicates a you know uh, a more seedy element, you know, because they're a sex worker, they're this type of person, and there's this type of thing that goes on, and they're the first one to die. Um, you know, I, I think yeah. it takes a lot more work to reframe that um, rather than just not have it, but I, I think it's possible. Yeah, and I just I just don't think that that's what I sort of meant. If, if you were to do it today, not like do it back then, yeah. it, this is not a structure or a type of film that I think facilitates newest nuance yeah. in that yeah. way. <laughs> You know, like it doesn't have yeah. the time either, like the space. Involved, yeah. You know? um, it's like, why, why tread that ground unless you were to make um, the baton handoff go to a sex worker and have that mm-hmm. not be a big part of the, like, of any traumatic element, just something that they do. And now they're a demon knight, you know? Yeah. Um, there you go. There's our comic. Yeah, yeah. TM, TM, TM. I, I was thinking because I could easily see like a lot of the problem has to do with sort of the framing of her as as needy and traumatized, and that's why she's mm-hmm. a sex worker. And I think if you take that out and you know make her a character who's more survivable, who you know, as as with a lot of you know real sex workers in the real world, is is a survivor. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Then you know it, it becomes a whole different you've, type of. You've story just for described her. the lead character, as I said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's what our lead character is because if you keep both of them they're just the same character yeah Maybe we uh, have that's to... why it's like i would either excise it or or yeah make it the focal point of our lead instead of ex-convict or anything like that or having to code it in any way it's just yeah. a texture to their character thing uh, but this movie's like dealing in 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 
Gunsmoke rules. Like it's it's like an old cowboy movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so silly. Like these, they're so all these archetypes are so broad. You know, I yeah. mean, it is it is basically a western. It's a scene. You know? it's, it's yeah, it's Rio Bravo. It's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Like you've got the you, the, the the sassy saloon lady. Yeah, you know? you've got the 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 hooker with the heart of gold. You got it's all it's all there. You know. The, yeah, it's just that. <laughs> The bad guy who shows up is is a is is uh, a literal demon. Uh, is a demon, yeah. Who's yeah. also a cowboy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I mean, on the topic of they're not not having sort of the maturity or the the uh, structure to handle some of these mature topics. Like, it doesn't have much to say about mental illness or disability. Um, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. really have anything to say about class. Like, all of the characters in this are sort of in the same class. Um, you know. Well, I mean, all... you could say that, that the movie has a little bit to say about addiction, but I mean, it's again, it, they're broad strokes. If, if yeah. I were to give it one thing to say about class, it's that all the people who turn out to be like good are sort of in some way um, caged by by circumstance. You know, yeah. going yeah. back to the initial thief, all the way up to Breaker, and him even being coded as like this is a bad guy. Yeah, you know. And that's a good like, point. That's a that's a good point about that. It, too. And it, and um, you know, Billy Zane comes strolling in, looking really opulent. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Again, that's more by error of omission than anything else. I don't think it's got a lot to say about a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and again, like you, these these topics, like the topic of uh, relation trauma and relationship abuse, and the topic of uh, alcoholism, isn't really discussed. It's there. You know, it's like, wow, this sucks. And then that move on. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's really not discussed as any kind of LGBTQIA characters whatsoever. Um, Definitely not. You know, that's, yeah. That's, Except, that's well, thing. <laughs> my, my first note in this movie, when Billy Zane is chasing Breaker, is you can't catch me gay thoughts. And that was, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, but they caught him. I do feel yeah. like there is, uh, you know, something to be said, not necessarily something queer, but something not uh, default hetero about the fact that, like, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's character doesn't have a love interest. Like, she's not, yeah. um, you know, she's not in love with the with Breaker by the end of this movie. They're, yeah, there's no not. romance. And nor do they even try to do a type of chemistry in that way. Yeah, you know. Yeah, at its at its closest to that, it's much more like a, you know, a mentor mentee kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's Wolverine Jubilee. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I love. I always love. Yeah. I don't know that much about X Men. You know, in terms of like where I am right now by averages, like y'all know much more about X Men than I do. But I still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do feel like. You could read Geraldine as queer. I don't think there's anything contradicting that, but yeah. there's also nothing yeah. necessarily stating it. It, it so. would be something you'd have to read into it. It's not, yeah. it's the film's not granting it to you, you know? Yeah. 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 And the villain is not actually queer coded, which is also good. <laughs> yeah, not not uh, at all. Uh, for Despite my initial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, I mean, considering how queer coded the actual Robin Williams genie is, like, Billy Zane and this is in no way queer coded. Yeah. No, he's um, cowboy coded. That'd be the beginning. 
yeah he has a flaming dick that that leaps at the the woman protagonist i don't think that is it's yeah i i I do think though that this movie does oddly survive in a lot of regards because of what it omits and because of the casting decisions and and things like that It, it just it it works in a, a sort of strange way when you look at it from a modern lens of going, this is novel that this movie did this. It shouldn't yeah. be novel, but it, it is, you know? Yeah, especially yeah. at the time and the fact that it was a Tales from the Crypt movie that had those mm-hmm. pins on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, the, the next question was going to be like, do you, do you think it's worth people seeing now? And do you think it's worth them checking out? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. Hell yes. This totally. movie fucking rules. It's, it's interesting to film. like transpose this with something like Resident Evil, which has such a like stated feminist agenda and fails so entirely. Right. And like, well, well you know, because that when you, I think there's sometimes you run a risk when you, when you try to girl boss a thing, it can look condescending. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, and then if you and then when people are looking at that element because you've called it out, they will start to notice where you trip. You yeah. know, whereas this movie isn't trying to call that out. She is just the protagonist. She happens to be the protagonist. She happens to be uh, uh, well-rounded uh, and 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 interesting and all these things. And so it's not even the, it's not on the movie's mind, which is almost ultimately more more feminist just by virtue of like well yeah she's the leech because she rules yeah. yeah yeah um and, it, and so that like i think it ages that el- that one single element really well uh should people watch it today yes get lots of whatever your preferred poison is you know uh, beer and pizza and friends and watch the movie because it rules it's yeah. it's like it's hard r saturday morning cartoon uh it rules it, yeah it, yeah, yeah roller coaster ride of, of gore and and overacting and it's it's going for the rafters it's having a good time this is the party film that you pay attention to not the one that you not like mm-hmm. the hunger where you throw it up on the background and turn on like you know sisters of mercy and else. just hang out yeah. but like billy zane needs to be seen in this yeah <laughs> he and hurt and yeah. hurt uh, yes it, it like people audiences should go and and see this just so that Billy Zane's performance continues to be appreciated. Yeah, uh, you know, among the generations, handed down. Like, have you seen he, this guy rules? Like, he's he's killing it here. Yeah, and uh, so if if people do enjoy this one, uh, Brad, what else would you recommend they check out? Well, obviously, uh, we've talked about it. I think From Dust Till Dawn would be a good would be a, a good. Uh, it's also a siege film. It's also a bunch of gooey, sticky monsters. I think From Dust Till Dawn is a much better movie uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, uh, that would be a good one um, to pair it with. I, I, I can think of, I mean, you know, there's lots of movies I guess you could, but that would be one to, that'd be an interesting double because uh, one is so much more, uh, I think like the, it has a lot more dexterity than yeah. the other. Uh a lot more um, verve to it and then one of them is so much more like uh you know i would i think there's a lot of really well executed stuff in in demon Knight, like really well executed they're just both fun i guess is they're both fun and sticky and and they're both full of movies where the actors are all having fun and it feels like everybody was sort of having fun making the damn thing yeah. you know this um 
and that, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'd go with that. That would be my put it next to it movie. Awesome. Uh, ben, what do you got? I would recommend Evil Dead 2. That's a good I'd, call. Yep. Uh, if you like your horror movie where the gore is over the top and decidedly spoopy, where the focus is on fun and comedy in addition to just crazy cool practical monster effects. I mean, it's Sam Raimi. It's Bruce Campbell. It's the it's the cornerstone of the horror comedy genre for a reason. For sure. Uh, Emily, what would you recommend? Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, dashing demon in disguise uh, trope. I'm, I'm really, or, or in the case of the prophecy, Angel. Um, this movie reminded me of the prophecy a lot. That's Although, a good call too, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, prophecy tries to take itself a little bit more seriously, but Christopher Walken does his best to keep that from happening. <laughs> um and I haven't seen Prophecies too recently, but that's those are just great movies for like the, the demon and like weird ass flashbacks and um, yeah, they both have that sort of like Judeo Christian like a uh, teenager's notebook version of like what'd be the cool story they'd tell, you know, yeah. while they're listening to their really serious, you know, uh, Marilyn Manson's Nine Inch Nails music or something, you know, they like don't call me out like this. But it's like it. Ha- they both have that feel of like, yeah, it's about like a demon hunter who's, you know, they have yeah. that, and the the devil's still alive, but he's like a badass, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, also, in the prophecy, Vigo Mortensen plays the devil. Like he's great. Lucifer. He's oh my, my favorite God. part of the movie. Yeah, oh. he rules. Oh, when he eats so that good. flower. Yeah, I love all, I, that's burned so in my head. Yeah, I love him in that. Christmas. You know, I I haven't seen the prophecy, but like the idea of Viggo Mortensen playing the devil has sold me on on that. So, yeah, I, it, I feel like they it's kinda, fun. Yeah, they kind of do it with um, like other movies that have it that are sort of on the opposite sides of the spectrum of like seriousness. You have like the original, Bedazz- you have Bedazzled on one side, and you have mm. Devil's Advocate on the other side, which are both like. <laughs> campy in their own way will bedazzled i'm a really big fan of the original um like 60s bedazzled i fucking love that so movie. I. yeah, yeah and then um you know for if you want a dapper demon in disguise or a dapper devil in disguise um i think the prophecies are great that would make a good beer and pizza double feature with with demon knight yeah, yeah so, i will yeah. say the prophecy kind of sort of badly ham-fistedly handles native american Stuff. Oh, very damn. Yeah, not Ooh. sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just sugarcoating it, but yeah. Um, it but, spills the whole plate on the ground. Like, yeah, it, it's all like, here's your. Yeah. Uh, we did. Re- nope. Um, no research done. Um, and it's really weird because you have like judo, or you know, you have these, these like. Yeah, that's the reason doubles. why I think it. It's kind of livable because it p- plays so fast and loose with judeo-christian stuff too yeah like it's not like it's biblically accurate to oh, to, to the letter of it, it's it, you know it's got Viggo mortensen eating flowers and saying he's the devil looking for this demon it's 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 right up there with seventh seal and stuff like that where it's like yeah this is all just fun stuff to tell a, a grotesque story so it doesn't excuse it but it 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 does have yeah that where it just it decides to do that too with with native american folklore and literature and yeah uh, religion 
you know, I can I can watch people play fast and loose with biblical stuff, but uh, Native American stuff, you know, no, I it, it you have to like that's nope. Um, and also, I gotta say, I gotta mention Devil Man because the 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 comic, the original OVA, like those are your quintessential weird ass monsters with tits everywhere just crazy shit happening it um it has a lot of the same feel as this with some like very clumsy accidental uh stumbles into progressive representation which is like you don't expect it um you know of course for the time which is 1972 or whatever um and then in the, the, the 1989 for the the animation that i'm referring to devil man crybaby i don't think does a very good job of that but that's you know I'll, I'll do a whole podcast about that um but yeah it has this very very much the same kind of feel as like the original tales from the crypt comic which i would also recommend um or like weird tales or you know like all those old school exploitation comics just again they don't do a very good job of a the, those old comics are great but they're fantastic. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're incredible. Holy Just landmarks of the of the. Yeah, um, not progressive usually, but you know no. sometimes you get some some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, um, for me, I, I was thinking. Uh, I, I think a solid recommendation to go with this one is probably Tales from the Hood. Um, oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, has has a lot of that, like intentionally has a lot of the same feel as tales from the crypt with you know this intentional swerve of like all right it's about black people um yeah yeah black people issues and the things that black people are afraid of as compared to you know the same uh five things that white people have been making horror movies about uh forever um and uh the the one other thing i would recommend is uh um ernest dickerson's other horror movie bones uh which again Snoop Dogg, not the most nuanced actor, but Pam Greer is in it. It's fun. It's not like it, it's yeah, not an award winner, that. but it's a it's a fun one to see. That's the one. He's uh, he's black as night. He's hard as stone. Something something something. Jimmy Bones. He's like a pimp <laughs> that was killed by. Yeah, a... he is a, a pimp that uh, that returns from the dead. Um, you know, yes. he's a, sort of a ghost demon thing. And he wow. he could t- he also turns into like a wolf or a dog or something. I mean, dope. Snoop Dogg. So yeah, that's yeah. that's why I was yeah, like, thank you. Sense. Yeah. So he's, he's also a boss character in like one of the Def Jam fighting games too. So um, this is very strange. <laughs> Those um, were weird games. I'm still not sure how they exist. I'm Listen. bummed that I've I, that I somehow that movie fell through my cracks. You know, I need to check that. I'm sure that's a good time. Yeah, yeah. a lot of movies fall through my cracks. I like I like Dickerson a lot. So I yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, and I, I would recommend, uh, you know, we've talked about it on here for anybody who hasn't seen it. Horror Noir is mm-hmm. a documentary about the history of Black people in horror movies. Ernest Dickerson is, is in it quite substantially. They do a lot of, like, people who are big names in Black horror talking to each other um, about, you know, the history and in, in all these different movies. You get a lot on Blackula. You get a lot on Candyman um you know all these different like landmarks along the way um you know going up to like i think it sort of culminates with jordan peele and um he was i think making us at the point that this came out um but you know had already done get out um so yeah that's that's definitely worth people checking out as well if they haven't 
watch that and listen to the the podcast where we were talking about it where we talked about quite a few of the movies that uh, they talk about in it and there were some great recommendations from our friends Danny and Allie who were both on that one um all that said uh that's lots of recommendations for people to go check out before we let people go uh Brad do you want to let people know where they can find you online and find more of your work oh you just find Brad brad michael elmore on instagram or twitter i don't really have anything outside of that yeah uh rent bit or watch wolfman's hammer on youtube for free have a good time yeah i mean we of course highly recommend bit which uh you know if you've heard the don't sleep on it. the wolfman's hammer though yeah you know? sounds like a dangerous thing to sleep on <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an uncomfortable thing to sleep on i mean i don't know a wolfman's hammer i mean is that a euphemism it can be it could be it could be. I hope not. I hope it's just a werewolf who lost his like tool set. But fair warning, it is not a genre. No shit. Right. Does uh, have a hammer though. <laughs> That's good. Um, and That's uh, Emily, where can people find you online as well? Um, I am Mega Moth on a lot of things: Twitter, Patreon, Tumblr. Um, I'm Mega underscore Mock Mock. No, Mega underscore Moth on Twitter. I mean Instagram. Whew, this is a this is a time. Um, Mega <laughs> underscore moth on Instagram, and uh, I just created a TikTok. I'm Mega oh dot moth. There's nothing there right now, but maybe by the time you hear this, I'll have some stuff over there. Who knows? Maybe TikTok will be uh, defunct by then. Who knows? It'll the distant future. Um, just and also, I mean, if the internet crashes, just think really hard about moths and i will appear all right and uh ben where can people find you online you can find me uh on twitter at, at ben the con you can find info on all my comics at benconcomics.com uh and renegade rules out in stores now and uh pre you can pre-order immortals phoenix rising from great beginnings the comic book graphic novel tie-in to ubisoft's hit game yay and uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 It's jeremywhitley.com. And uh, you can pre-order School for Extraterrestrial Girls Volume 2 uh, online right now. That'll be out in September. Uh, as for the podcast, it is uh, Progressively Horrified. It's on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified. It's on Twitter at proghorrorpod. And our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. If you're listening to this now, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe and rate and review so that more people can find out about it. That's the only way that uh, it gets recommended to them is if people recommend it. Um, I do want to thank Brad again for joining us. It was great having you. And this is a, a fun movie to talk about. I appreciate it. It was a friggin' blast. <laughs> yeah. Stoked. And, uh, and uh, thanks, as always, to Ben and Emily for joining me. And thanks for all of you for uh, listening. Uh, until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Emily Martin, Ben Kahn, and Brad Michael Elmore. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cola 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. <laughs>